Uh, hello, this is Guillermo del Toro, and you're listening to Out Now Podcast. Hello. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're talking the top 10 films of 2018. I can't wait to give you my top 10 foods of 2018. Yum. We are now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello. Good evening. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We reference various movie topics, jump into a most spoiler-free review. Then jump back to the other fun movie topics. This is episode 349. 349. Very special 349. It is, because instead of doing a main review this week, we're going over our top 10 films of 2018. There's a lot of trumpet trumpet fanfare that you can't hear right now. <laughs> you add that in post edit. Yeah. Yeah. Do. You also sound like you also sound like the guy who does like the Saturday Night Live introductions. <laughs> and tonight's special guest, Ian. Musical guest Scott Mendelson. <laughs> anyway, joining us to discuss our top ten films of 2018, we have from movies Marcus. He recently won the Infinity War. Once his star was born within a wrinkle in time, it's Marcus Robinson. Oh, boy. Hello. <laughs> also joining us from Fast Film Reviews, he was spitting venom, so can you ever forgive him as he may still be your favorite? It's Mark Hoban. Hi, everyone. How are the two of you doing this evening? Very well. I'm good. I, I'm i cold. It's cold over here in San Jose. <laughs> it's like rainy and cold. It's not <laughs> Where are you? Blade Runner future? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. They, they keep calling me, like, skin job for whatever reason. <laughs> and, like, they won't let me into my apartment, but I've got my electronic girlfriend. You know, it's a tough life. Again, I say it's cold over here, and there's probably people in the snow somewhere. So it's like 45, <laughs> 50 degrees. Yeah, and rain. Yeah. Yeah. Thunderstorms. All right. Well, that yes. depressing side out of the way. Let's get to the <laughs> show here. I'm glad to have you guys here. This is our top 10 show. This is, should be a lot of fun. It's always fun going over. This is like one of our big shows. I like how our like we have like maybe some of the worst movies that come out in the year or at least the dumping ground for movies. But we have some of our best podcasts of the year because we got the Oscars. We got this. It's a lot of fun here. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, we're gonna get to this. <laughs> All, right. All right. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> let get, so let's get to some show notes real quick. First up, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. Uh, yes. We are, we're back here again doing this more. Um, Abe, we're coming up on eight years in March? I mean, that person's going to be in uh, – that's like a third grader right there. Is that the silver anniversary, or what's, <laughs> what is it? I don't know. I, I, think, for, I, think I forget. The, I think you're the married one. You should let us know. Yeah. Like, oh, jeez. Okay. I'll, I'll, when I find out, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, you get that research done. Okay, Deckard. <laughs> okay, um, you got it. So, Very oh, Blade yeah. Runner esque theme. Yeah. So yeah, but we're still doing this new year. So let's let's you know let's see good stuff happen in 2019. Certainly a lot of films coming out this year. We'll get to that later on, actually. But. The only things to really note, new commentary track is coming very soon. Um, we've decided we're going to talk about Unbreakable uh, this month in honor of Glass, which comes out uh, a couple weeks from now. So yeah, that should be a, a fun one to record. We're going to record that this week. And uh, last thing, iTunes reviews and ratings. Good to get those. Helps out our show. Helps other people find the show. Start the new year off right and log on to iTunes and search for our show at Now Theron and Abe and give us a rating and review. Muchas gracias. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I think with all that out of the way, let's uh, let's do a quick round of know everybody. We each week we ask each other a question or two, try to set the tone for the podcast, and better get to know everybody. everybody. That was perfect. Kind of forever. Way to way to set the bar high for the new year. <laughs> I know. Yes. Might as well might as well just take that recording and always use it. That's what I say. 
New year, new us. <laughs> No, if if we had a movie poster, that's what it would say. New year, new, new, year, us. new us. It's yeah. actually just the four of us walking, like uh, like that one movie with Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine, directed by Zach Braff. That's the go-to poster you can think of? <laughs> <laughs> Going in style? Yeah, yeah. It's just us walking coolly like that. Yeah. Not even like Ocean's Eleven featuring many people walking. We, like, that's that's Reservoir 14 dogs. people I have to Reservoir go find. Dogs. So many. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs has six people. You're going by count. There's four of us on this podcast. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? There's three people on the poster. In going in style? There's three people. Oh, shit. Is this the old one with the old guys? Yeah, it's yep, Michael Caine, one, yeah. Arkin, and oh, um, yes. what's his face? Morgan Freeman. I'm, I'm calling uh, Alan Arkin. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you, you better get him while he's hot. He just won a Golden Globe for the Kaminsky Method. So He know. looked rather irritated. The show did. Fair. Michael Douglas won. But, you know, okay, yeah, I was like, Michael Douglas won. Yeah. <laughs> sh- Anyhow, that's enough talking about that. Yeah, now that we've timestamped this podcast, <laughs> let's um, keep moving. Um. Oh yeah, I had a qu- it was no over. That's where we are. That's my question. Uh, so we've just wrapped up 2018. Any you guys have some general thoughts on the year in cinema that was 2018? It was better than I thought it was going to be. It's actually uh, I remember like I was having a discussion with somebody and they were saying I can't even remember anything that came out this year. And I was like I remember a lot more things that came out this year than a couple of years ago where I felt it was much more sluggish. Um, did the year end up as strong as maybe some other years in terms of Oscar winners? No, but I think that there's actually a spacing between this year that there are some movies that I've thought about for since I've seen them and Aaron knows uh, at least a couple of them. And that's fantastic. And also the number of documentaries this year that have been put into mainstream theaters. I was also pretty high too. So I was glad to see that there was a lot of representation in different categories and genres, but I think this is a strong year for film. How about the rest? Yeah. I think that this was the year of the documentary. I think several um, really broke out um, most notably, won't you be my neighbor, but quite a few other ones um, that, actually earned you know a fair amount of money at the box office this year so uh kind of a a lot of choices i mean i I think we could even get a uh category of best documentary features where i might have even seen all five yeah wow like in advance for you know instead of like in advance yeah trying to to rush to get to see these before they happen well i i just want as a highlight i want to applaud tyler perry for uh, saying he's going to retire that medea character that's right yeah yeah i think that was probably the highlight of of my year (laughs) Did you see Tyler Perry's Vice? Did I see Tyler Perry? No, I did not see it. I haven't seen it yet. Did I see Tyler Perry's Vice? No, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, Well, I mean, I echo a lot of what you guys are saying. I mean, yeah, there were certainly a number of documentaries that were worthwhile in a way that you generally don't see as far as popularity goes. And in terms of quality of film this year, I mean, when I hear it's been a bad year for movies, which is... A weird amount i always think what movies did you see because I, I don't i can't recall a bad year for movies i think if there was something to note about right. this year it's especially mm-hmm. when i look at my list is that there is a good wide separation not separation but there was a good like scattering of movies all around the year that i certainly was a big fan of uh, right there's from top to but not just in the months that you expect to see really good movies but just kind of all over the year um, right which isn't something that I try to do with my list, but I'm looking at them like, wow, there's, I could see all the months that these came out and it's all over the place, not just like in October and like July or something like that. So it's, I think that that bo- for me, that bodes well as far as what we're doing with, uh, with studios and how they try to but release you, things. Do, totally. Do you think that was more this year? I kind of think every year the movies are spaced out. I would say that. They do release a lot at the end. But... I, I don't, I, I don't disagree, but I would say as far as kind of, bigger releases not just like the smaller stuff where it doesn't necessarily count on you know needing certain 
attention during certain times of year but i i you know so there are movies i'll get to where <laughs> this this will very much apply uh but uh, and i i don't disagree in recent years that seems more of the case but i i do like that it just seems like we're continuing to do this it's not like it's something that's going away sure i i think uh, you know i agree with you that every year is a good year for film and you know if if you don't think it's a good year for film then you're probably not watching the right movies sometimes it's the big hollywood blockbusters other times it's the indie films sometimes it's kind of a mixture and i, I think this year a lot of the big blockbusters were some of the best films of the year um and you know we may actually i won't go into which i have no one, doubt but... that the, between the four of us we're going to see some representation of big and small films right right exactly so it, i think it was a nice mixture sometimes people say it was a bad year when the big box office hits are not the things they liked but you know there's always some indie films that that come out that are really you know well worth seeing um I, I, and i, I think this year... that especially in the case where now it's not just like well it didn't come to my city because i don't live in la or new york and so i never got to see some of these small films we're in an age where netflix and amazon are putting out some great stuff and making know, it very right? available for everybody yeah. while it may not be the preferred way to do it as far as streaming against seeing it on a big screen it's certainly out there <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. And that actually reminds me of something I was just thinking about the other day, and this is my final thought, which was just that um, all these – I was looking at a list of movie releases this year and, and going through the top tens, and then I remembered, wait, I've seen some things that only came to like Netflix that are not on like a, a major release uh, publication. So I was like, yeah, there's tons of streams of like outlets in which you can watch these movies now, and movies are being made all the time, you know, like – it's pretty incredible just the the age that we're at right now. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, you want to get to our uh, our top ten? And here? that was feedback. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, with, with that said, being said, that's how you play. No, everybody. No, everybody. No, everybody. Perfect. Everybody. Use that one. Use that one. Use take two. <laughs> Got it. All right. Well, let's do it, guys. Let's get to let's get into our top tens. We're just gonna go round and around. Um, the joy that we tend to have on this podcast is that we don't, for the most part, know in advance what our top tens were. I think some of us might know Marcus's because he puts it out there so clearly. <laughs> you know what? Now that I have a uh, new computer, it's going to be more hidden. That's, <laughs> right, that's yeah. my that's my like, resolution. Although to be fair, Marcus, your your Instagram story updates, I thought that was pretty cool. That was pretty uh, a neat way to to quickly read uh, your thoughts. Yeah, no, nothing Probably. says nothing says a great strategy like putting a like fifty word review of Madeline's Madeline in a five second <laughs> clip on Instagram. <laughs> You gotta do what you gotta do when your computer's not working. I, I thought I'd have to hold my thumb on the image to stop it so I can read what the hell you're trying yeah, to that's say. How, that's how you right, know. right, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm I didn't. I had to think about that. I'm like, how am I supposed to read all of this? You wrote like so much. You can screenshot it too. Read it for la- save it for later. I'm glad you guys are reading my stuff. Thank you. That was the last time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, yeah, I, I, we look at, but yeah. For my main point was yes. For the most part, we don't really know our each other's top tens, so there's a lot of there's fun that comes from that. I think having a sense of surprise as far as what we're about to pick. Uh, while there might be some overlap or whatnot, we'll just try to keep moving. Um, and yeah, with all that said, let's start with you, Marcus. What is your number ten film? For, it is uh, actually before. Hold on, before you even let's say anything, I always forget to ask this. How do you how do you guys go about making your list? Is there any strategy you guys have in all this? Uh, I, just, I, I basically put every movie that I really enjoyed on a sheet and just start crossing them out. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> That's it. And That's I, and I say, what yeah, did yeah, I, totally. what did I, what did I enjoy better? What do I enjoy now in retrospect? What, what, what would I rate everything now? Right. Um, that's, that's pretty much it. How about you, Mark? Yeah. Well, I mean, so throughout the whole year, 
I I review movies and I give it a star rating. So I always trust my feeling of the movie right after I saw it, the the best you know version of it. Uh, and so at the end of the year, I'll kind of. Uh, use those star ratings, assign a numerical score. I put it in the, to a spreadsheet. I rank them all. And then and then I kind of will adjust a little bit. I'll still keep, you know, films in sort of the general area that, that will still reflect how I rated it. But you can pretty much look at my star ratings and 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 what I how I rank them at the end of the year. And they should be pretty consistent. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, two movies that get three and a half stars, there, there may be like 20 movies that got that. So obviously maybe one or two will pop up in my top 20, but the rest of them won't. So, I mean, but I, I it's, it's still, you know, and a lot of it is, I mean, I, that's the, 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 you know, the, the numerical side of it. There's also emotion. I mean, you know, if you gave, like I said, several movies, the same rating, you kind of have to decide, well, emotionally, I just like this better. And, and it's a little bit arbitrary, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For the most part, what I'll do is I'll, I'll take a, I'll do research on lists just to tell me what came out for the year. I'll literally go through each individual row, and then what happens is, while I don't give numerical values or stars or what have you, because uh, I don't, I don't publish anything. It's more of, oh yeah, I remember this movie, and it made me feel something. So I'll go back to like my feelings of when I first saw it. It's not necessarily that it has to make me feel sad or upset or you know super delighted or what have you. It's just more of like I remember this, and the connotations were very very positive. So then I'll start whittling the the list down, and then obviously as you look through the list. I started thinking about things like, well, I've seen this like X number of times in the theater or I've done this and this and this. And, you know, I really like that scene. I like the entire sequence or I like the structure. So there's a lot of other um, qualitative things that I'll do with it after the quantitative parts. And then uh, that's how I make my list. I obviously I take all the movies I've seen. I send that and along with some pictures of myself to NASA and whatever they come back with me with. I just use that as the list. That's, that's oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's like that's like when, when uh, you know, you give a, a computer a b- whole bunch of TV shows and then it writes its own TV show. Yeah, just like a, just like an out al- algorithm or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's largely what you guys are doing. I mean, I, I like Mark. I I write about movies all year. I have rank or uh, uh, star ratings of them, what have you. And so it's easy for me to kind of for the especially for like the the higher end ones or like the movies I gave perfect scores. It's like yeah, that's probably going to be sitting up there pretty close to the top. But I just you know write it all out, look at it, fiddle around with the arrangement. And, yeah. You know, just see. What Sidebar you comment for you and Mark. Do you guys have? Do you guys remember your perfect scores? Like how many were there? Fewer than five. I, there were fewer than five for me this year. Okay. You know, this year I didn't give anything a perfect score, and I, it's sort of I, I don't. It's hard for me to give a perfect score. It's one of those things that I think years later you can kind of go back and say, yeah, that was a perfect. Or for me, I mean, I I think then I can go back and say, you know, with the passage of time, that was perfect. But it's sure. it's really hard for me to give a perfect score. So I kind of grade a little bit on a curve by putting like four and a halfs for several movies, mm-hmm. and then and then of course at the end of the year, I mean, I have a movie that's at number one. I probably should go back and rate that at, at a perfect score because it was my number one. It's a weird um, like it's so arbitrary for me. This the star part of it that's like the last thing I do is like yeah, right, it so. is yeah, but. Yeah. And I but I hear what you're saying, Mark. Like the uh, twenty sixteen I didn't give any perfects, but I look back and it's like I would have given four of these perfect scores when I when I really okay. when I was thinking about my top ten. So it's like, Yeah, it makes sense. So you know, it just it here, really depends here's an on example. my mood. It depends on my mood at the time where I'm like you know, what star rating would it like it's so I so don't care about the star part of it where I'm like, sure, four and a half or whatever. Like it just depends on my mood right. at the time. But the stars just helps me sort of quantify it at some, you know, level. Yeah. 
Well, uh, let's let's get into it. I will I will note that we have a number of uh, top tens from our listeners that we'll kind of get into as yep. we go along here, and we also have a number of top tens from some other frequent guests of the show that will kind of pop in and out um, via uh, separately recorded uh, little segments. So that that'll be fun as well. I'm just saying that out loud in case I forget, but I'll do it in the editing. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> and here we are with Alan Aguilera's top ten of 2018. All right, how we doing, guys? Thank you for having me on. Great year. I'm just going to give you my top ten really quick. Black Mirror, Bandersnatch, number 10. Number 9, Widows. Number 8, Eighth Grade. Number 7, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Number 6, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Number 5, Can You Ever Forgive Me. Number 4, The Favorite. Number 3, Avengers Infinity War. Number 2, Black Klansman. Number 1, Mission Impossible Fallout. Thanks, guys. Great year in movies. Hopefully uh, 2019 is just as good or even better. All right. Later, guys. Bye. Um, so, yeah. With all that said, Marcus, now let's get to your number 10 film of 2018. All right. And this kind of goes in with that last question. Uh, the, it was Black Klansman, which I actually had at number one or two when it came out. And it moved back to number 10, which is not to say anything bad. It's still on my top 10 list. But moved back. So I was kind of wondering if anybody else had that a similar a similar thing happened. Now, I do think it's Spike Lee's best movie in a long time. I tend to like his more provocative movies like Bamboozled, and this goes right up there. Um, the story is almost too good to fail, so there's not m- much bad he could have done, but what he adds, it's really, really good. I just thought about it in retrospect, and there was a lot of movies that bumped it out back to my top ten, mm-hmm. or back, back to my number ten spot. All right. Uh, Mark Hoban, what's your number 10 film? So my number 10 film is Game Night. And this is actually a film I saw near the beginning of the year, and I really loved it. And then near the end of the year, as I was ranking my films, I realized that it was ending up near my top 10, uh, or even, you know, it is my top 10. And and I thought, did I really like it that much? I rewatched it recently, and yes, the movie really, I guess, for the first thing is that it's a comedy and it made me laugh. And I think one of the things I really enjoy about the film is the camaraderie between the the six people that uh, play the game. You've got Jason Bateman and Rachel McAdams, which play this couple. Jason Bateman lives in the shadow of his older brother, Kyle Chandler, who he kind of uh, – he's always never felt like he lives up to him. And uh, you've got Billy Magnuson, who plays this kind of dumb blonde guy uh, who also brings a date. Uh, and then uh, Lamorne Morris and Kylie Bunbury, who play this sort of couple, who have this ongoing joke about uh, how she had slept with somebody, and he needs to know who it was. And there's and there's lots of little like ongoing jokes. It's it's sort of I mean it's an R-rated uh, comedy, so there is it it does get violent at parts, but I never think the violence overshadows the silliness of it. Um, it's a little bit uh, played you know comically for laughs. And uh, it, it's just I, I just love the the way that the movie unfolds. I don't think there's a wasted line. I think it's a very efficient screenplay. I think it's very intelligent, and it's it just it's it's shot really well. It, it's it's just it has it's just a lot of fun, and and it, and I I laugh throughout the whole thing. I, I would say, and I've seen Game Night up here in a number of people's like high high praise, yeah, and uh, top ten. I, I would add that the it's it's one of the best directed and like visually striking like mainstream studio comedies I've seen in quite a long time, which is something I did admire about it. Like the game, the movie actually tries to make itself look like a board game, which is a really clever idea. And so that was, that's something I very much admired about the film. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's, 
it wasn't really a huge hit. I mean, it did fine. I mean, I think it, you know, it made more than it cost, but it, it didn't break out in the way that, you know, like a movie like uh, what's a, like Bridesmaids or, or you know, a, a the Hangover. A, the Hangover. Yeah, exactly. That's actually a better probably that dumb uh, movie. Sort of Blockers a, did better. Blockers. That, that was terrible. Yeah, that movie did I better. I heard there was some good a writing. Lot, a lot there. of people love Maybe? Blockers. Yeah. It's no. Scott Mendelson's top ten. <laughs> <laughs> and he did the song for us in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Musical <laughs> guest, Scott Mendelson. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, hey, what's, your, what's your number ten? My number ten movie of the year is Avengers, Colin, Infinity War. Uh, I had that. I have it on my <laughs> You have it as your number ten for so me. I, I, so, to, for the listeners, I predicted what I think Abe's top ten is going to be, and I have Avengers right there. Good job, oh. good job. We're oh returning to the same person here. This is the summer gamble. Uh, I just slaughtered the number ten spot. <laughs> but it's a movie we've talked about it many times. Uh, I think I, I really liked the villain arc of it from Thanos. I kind of really started to wonder if maybe Thanos is right. Sure, it, he's not right, but I, I did like. <laughs> I did like how the, the basically the movie portrayed him to be um, sympathetic in a way that was understandable. I also liked that the the score, and I also saw it like three times in the theater, not because I needed to go and rewatch it to see multiple scenes or whatever else, but just to, honestly to just double check to make sure that I was feeling the same way I felt like on multiple viewings. All right, Avengers: Infinity War. Good job. I have I have my list of eight, but it's gonna come in last, so I. Can do that. <laughs> Like it, and At least you win the game. Okay, Aaron, what was uh, your number ten? My number ten. Speaking of comic movies, is Spider-Man: Colon Into the Spider-Verse. Nice. Uh, this movie is fantastic. Yeah. Um, I look forward to seeing it again. I've only seen it the once of Anna so far. I, I I can't wait to kind of have more entrances into said Spider-Verse. Um, You've only I, seen that movie once. I, I know. <laughs> it's it's been a busy. That's surprising. Time. Yeah, it's yeah. it's been a busy time. <laughs> but but it, it's that's the kind of film I think that would really hold up to multiple viewings. Oh, you know, it's I've it's, wanted it's... to see it more than once. <laughs> it's it's not a lack, lack <laughs> right. of trying. Um, but no, I, I think Spider Verse is fantastic. What I I I love so many things about it as far as what it's accomplishing. Uh, I I really enjoy the fact that it's telling a story about Miles Morales, a mixed race character who becomes a superhero. It emphasizes the idea that anyone can wear that mask. Uh, the fact that it's mixed with this bizarre story of other spider people and animals coming into his universe and creating this kind of crazy plot uh, and working so well and having this sense of irreverence that never backs away from having also genuine emotion uh, makes it all the more worthwhile. Uh, I, the animation style is like nothing I've seen in a mainstream movie before, which is plenty of things. To, it's plenty to give credit to right there. And just the, the way it's all, like, there's so much weird in this movie, and yet it all works so well to the point where it's been lavished with critical praise and, like, audience love. Um, Peter that, Porker. Exactly. There, there's, there's, <laughs> there, there's a lot to admire in the idea that a studio made this, and we can hopefully look forward to other studios taking this kind of thing and making it work for themselves as well to see where the superhero genre can go from here. Uh, so you have a, a you have a movie that's embracing like seventy years worth of Spider-Man lore and packing so many different references and stuff like that, and still making a coherent film. That's that's a lot to admire that it was able to be pulled off so cleanly. Nice. So yeah, Marcus, what's your uh, number nine film? Number nine is Mission Impossible. Mission colon Impossible dash Fallout. Thank you. <laughs> I was waiting for that dash. <laughs> we were about to kick you off the podcast. <laughs> oh well, okay. <laughs> Um, this actually takes the place of Free Solo, 
which those were head to head as far as the best action movies of the year, in my opinion. I kind of had to just trust my original thinking on Mission Impossible Fallout as a just an edgier seat, thrill ride, great direction, crazy stunts. Um, this is the kind of movie that lives and dies on its stunts, and it really it's worth the IMAX 3D XD real D. It you know admission prices 40 XD whatever. Not Are we just making up letters now? Or are you just putting <laughs> X, Y, and Z? This is it's 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 not that free solo was worse. It just comes down down to preference, and it takes my number nine spot because not only is it a great movie with great stunts, had me on the edge of my seat. It's also probably my favorite Mission Impossible movie. Just thinking about it. Cool. All right. Certainly a very satisfying action blockbuster. One that yes. I said would be it's that was for me, that was the guaranteed can't miss of the summer. And yeah, there was <laughs> I was not wrong. <laughs> there was there that was the movie where I'm like, Well, obviously this will be good. What else do we got? And yeah, right. that movie delivered in spades. So yeah. Right. That was one of those movies where I walked in thinking, you know, I, I expect this to be good and I walked out going, Oh my gosh, that was really good. Mm-hmm. I always kind of underestimate my feelings going into a mission impossible movie even though i've liked the last few i've really enjoyed the last few uh it always seems to surprise me when i when i'm there and i'm like oh my god how's he gonna get out of this one or oh my god he's flipping over this and he's on the edge of a cliff and it i love it all right well mark what about you what's your number nine so my number nine film is sorry to bother you and the thing i loved about this film is it's just bonkers mentality and it just throws everything at the wall sees what sticks not all of it does it can get messy and it does have sort of some developments in the latter half of the film that are a little a little bit maybe off the rails but there is so much good and and wonderful to champion about this film i it one of the things is it's a very intelligent movie even though it it can get kind of silly i mean it's satirizing you know, it's it's got like a really uh, social commentary, and it satirizes the media, race, class, corporate culture. poverty, television, rap music. There's a great scene with uh, Army Hammer uh, where he talks to the guy. You just have to see the movie. I don't even really want to spoil it, but there's it, horses. It, it, there's <laughs> horses. Um, it's got this low-level supervisor uh, played by uh, Kate Berlant. Her name looks like Diana Debauchery, but it's pronounced Debo Charay. <laughs> um, she's a hilarious character. It's got Danny Glover telling him how to talk in his white voice, which you know is part of the the trailer. Uh, Danny Glover, at least, just, is like the got... most swears per minute. It would seem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's got uh, Stephen Yoon in it. Um, it, it. It's just a really. It, it's got a great cast. I. I it's. It's so bizarre. And then it's just so much wonderful to love about it. So that's why it's my number nine. I would just throw out there, I think Lakeith Stanfield has been a great presence in a lot of things, including TV, because he is on Atlanta and he's great on that too. But he certainly just has a great lead performance in this film, a film that has so much going on to it. And he, you know, he has to step up and hold it all together. And I think yeah, it's not even job. just acting too. It's also physical acting because he's got like that, he's, he's got like that, that hunch that he also has to do. And he's got like a weird limp, but um I think that there was a lot of cool, not just social commentary, but 
just the way that Boots Riley kind of wrote it, like it's really off the beaten path, and it's it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I look forward to if if Boots Riley didn't like throw in everything he had already to this movie, I look forward to what else right. left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see if you know if he continues to uh, deliver on the promise of this. There are two movies that this movie reminded me of, and I and I love both of these films. But and this this has to do with the work of Mike Judge. But Office Space and Idiocracy are both sort of incorporated into this film. I mean, maybe not intentionally, but it's definitely that's some of the DNA of this film. Yeah, and and I appreciate yeah I appreciated some of those elements. Yeah. All right. Well, Abe, what's your number nine? Uh, my number nine movie of the year is You're Never Really Here. It's this movie that came out in I think like June or or April of Late this April. Yeah. Yeah. This past year, uh, directed by Lynn Ramsey. It's a movie about like this this former uh, military guy that turns into like kind of just like this enforcer. And what's crazy about this movie is that I, it's a violent movie, but it's it is like she doesn't she doesn't treat it that way. She treats it in the way that that just decides to make it about this guy and his problems that he has to deal with as a child going into an adult. And she films like really strange things in a way that, that you never would think about filming that, you know, the bad guys aren't always bad, the good guys aren't always good, there's, like, a lot of gray, but also it's just very, like, strange. I think strange. the bad like, guys are all generally bad in this movie. I, don't, I can't think of the good I'm, I'm kind of more bad. thinking, I'm, I'm kind of more thinking of, like, uh, of uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character, where it's like, yeah, he's an enforcer, but he does bad things, too. Uh, I, I mean, guess he, generally he kills bad, bad people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's, there's some, there's some, strangely like haunting images in here and i really like it for that because it kind of just sticks with me and it makes me like it we're gonna talk about some scenes later but it certainly has like at least two of my favorite scenes this year uh in this movie one of the best endings very strange ending very i yeah when she just gives him the check and I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> There's a lot of great stuff I like in this movie. I think it's very yes. well directed. And the imagery is certainly surreal at times in a way that's it has a, a kind of entrancing thing about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And you have Johnny Greenwood doing the score, too. And it's like, yep, this is this is working for me. That's, uh, right. that's for sure. And uh, at a brisk, like, 89 minutes as well. Very quick. <laughs> like, very quick, but very full. Like, given the topic of this movie is this, like, guy being this weird hitman that's out there fighting the bad people. It seems like this could easily be stretched out into like a two and a half hour Lars von Trier masterpiece, but instead it's an 89 minute little breeze. So there you uh, we're getting, we're getting there. We're getting, I, there. I know, I know we are. <laughs> All right. My uh, number nine film is free solo. Okay. I think this movie is fantastic. Um, I've said many times that it's the best thriller of the year. I've even written an article saying as such and explaining why uh, the cinematography is excellent as far as, hey, we're going to show you this tiny man on this giant piece of granite that he's climbing without ropes. Um, <laughs> I'd imagine that would give a lot of people anxiety if they have a fear of heights because, yeah, this movie is certainly trying to impress you with the scope of El Capitan. Um, but this movie would be nothing if we didn't care about Alex Honnold, who's attempting to climb El Capitan without the aid of ropes. And so what I really enjoy is how the movie delves into who this guy is. And it's not as simple as, like, he just likes climbing rocks. Like, it goes into, like, where, kind of where he's come from, who he is now, and how he acts in normal society. There's some great scenes that depict him having a relationship with his girlfriend and also dealing with what it is to not just live in a van anymore and actually try to move into a house and see what that's like. And he seems like an alien in that environment, which is so fascinating to me. The relationship between those two is so interesting in a way. Mm-hmm. I And, like, what kind of a... 
person is she and what kind of a person is he and how how they're able to make that relationship work and yeah it it's definitely not i mean i i don't know if i could live with that in my life but somehow she's she's able to sort of you know entertain those those you know ideas in him you know that he wants to do but she's, a, she's obviously he's risk, risking she's, his life i mean she's a large part of this movie too is she as much as the relationship between him and the mountain and him and mountain climbing uh, is there's the relationship between him and and his girlfriend? They both take equal equal importance in this movie. Yeah, and I think that the movie does a great job of putting that in there, as well as telling you how to climb El Capitan. Like the, the it, <laughs> it's, it's a how to. It well, it's, it gives, yeah, it gives, it gives you a neat guide of like what you're <laughs> expecting. So by the time the movie gets to its final third, which is watching Alex climb this mountain, you're not confused as to what strategy he needs to use. The movie very cleverly right, tells right. you how it needs to happen. It's very similar to something like Titanic, where they tell you why it sunk at the beginning. They tell you exactly how it happens. So you don't need to be focused on what's going on, because you know what's going on. The movie very cleverly showed you what's going on. This movie does something similar, where it shows you what strategy he needs to do. So you can focus on him actually doing those things, as opposed to just being confused about what rock climbing stuff is going on here and why it matters. So it's just so well done. I, I was so happy to see this in a theater. On it, I saw this. It was great to watch in a giant screen. It's coming out in IMAX for a week, like nice. next week, I believe. Yeah. I if I oh, had the wow. chance, I would definitely want to do that because yes, IMAX for this movie, just like Mission Impossible. There's no reason not to see something with this on this giant scale. But yeah, Free Solo, uh, great movie. I love it. Yeah, last twenty. I don't know if it's the last twenty minutes or whatever when he's actually climbing. I mean, I, I might have taken three breaths or something. It's... <laughs> Okay, here we go with another bonus top 10 episode. This one comes from my lovely girlfriend, Miss Anna Bosch. Why don't you go ahead with that? All right, are we ready? Yep. Counting down. Mm-hmm. 10 to 1, right? Yep. <laughs> All right, so at 10, I have Ant-Man and the Wasp. 9, Bumblebee. 8, Todos lo saben, or also known as Everybody Knows. 7, Leave No Trace. 6, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. 5, the Old Man and the Gun. Four, Mary Poppins Returns. Three, Paddington 2. Two, Mission Impossible Fallout. And at number one, Free Solo. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks. So let's move on. Let's get to our number eight. Marcus. Uh, it is To All the Boys I've Loved Before. I really fell in love with this movie. I I think at the time this came out, there were three Asian American lead led movies. It was Crazy Rich Asian Searching, and then this movie maybe around the same month or so. And this movie kind of got lost. I felt in the shuffle. Um, this is clearly the best out of the three. It's it takes a sequel. I mean, people like it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was fantastic. Uh, I, I mean, I grew up. Every once in a while, you'll get you'll get uh, you'll get a bunch of teen comedies all of the time. But every once in a while, you'll get those teen comedies where it seems like the 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 original content or the script is really trying, like something like Love Simon. Then there are other times when growing up, I, I didn't have a whole lot of teen romantic comedies that I really looked at until Ten Things I Hate About You. I thought that was perfect. This is close to 10 Things I Hate About You. I thought Easy A was close to 10 Things I Hate About You. These are perfect teen comedies for that generation that have writing, that really tries. The acting is really good. The chemistry is perfect. Everything works extremely well. I'm talking about it now, and I'm like asking myself why it wasn't higher on my list. But 
it works really, really well. If you haven't seen it, it is on Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it is one that kind of I think got skipped over. I, I guess it's getting a re, it's getting I mean, a, a sequel. So but all I, I, I heard was nothing you know but praise Honestly, about this movie. Yeah, a lot of people <laughs> gave it a lot of love. Honestly, I I hadn't heard anybody that I've talked to that really watched it. Yeah. Really? So at, well, not like searching. You, searching, need, you need more age friends in your life, Marcus. You know that that maybe that's right. Uh, <laughs> searching got a lot of love, which was well received. Crazy Rich Asians, everybody knows that got the love that it got. Yep. This one, I felt like it got kind of lost in the shuffle a little bit. And was it in theaters? That doesn't go well with it. But I, again, I, yeah, you know. no, I, I, I get what you're saying. Regardless, I, yes, you like the movie a lot. I, I mean, love the I'm movie. That. I, I thought and that it was to be a, a number eight. Yeah. I thought it was close to per, a, a perfect uh, teen romantic comedy as you can get. I like All it. Right. Mark Hoban, what's your number eight? So my number eight is Mission Colon Impossible Dash Fallout. And the thing I love about this is there are it's jam packed with spectacles and each spectacle could be the climax of the drama. But you've got like, you know, several of them. And my favorite is the fist fight in the uh, bathroom. And the whole thing is this high contrast, brightly lit altercation uh, of testosterone with broken tile and smashing mirrors and it rains down on the participants and they're like it's just amazingly shot and choreographed i mean like a like a ballet or something but of you know fighting and and so well done and you know that's just one of many scenes that wasn't even that's early on in the film um, and there were lots of scenes like that. And, you know, I, I said this earlier, I walked into Mission Impossible expecting to like it. I like all of the Mission Impossible film. Well, actually, I, you know, to be honest, I'm not really crazy about the very first one. Um, but but other than that, I, I, I and, and the John, you know, to be honest, I think they get better. I mean, they sort of get better as they go along, in my opinion. And this one was as good as, as any of them. And I, I just, I, I think this probably represents the most perfect uh, example of a fun popcorn film for me in 2018. And and that's why it's my number eight. Nice. Mm. Abe, what's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is Mission Colon Impossible Dash Fallout. And, <laughs> wow. And, uh, it's a solid movie. And there are – Tom Cruise, for whatever reason, has been making some solid summer movies. Maybe minus Jack Reacher, Never Go Back. But – like since Jack Reacher, yeah, sure. But I mean, like uh, his, his past the, few this. movies have been <laughs> ones that have been pretty good. And Mission Impossible, the series has been going pretty well. Christopher Quarry seems like he's been doing a really good job with with the writing and also the directing. But for this movie to actually have some stakes, be self-contained, kind of self-referential at some degree, but also just be a solid, solid movie, it shocked me. It surprised me because I was thinking like, yeah, sure, popcorn movie, Brad Bird style, uh, Ghost Protocol type thing. But this is actually like, whoa, Ethan has uh, some some things that he's dealing with. You know, Aaron, you mentioned that Ving Rhames has some stuff that he's dealing with, too. He's like, he's probably the most acting in this movie than he is in the other ones. Um, and I just overall, I thought the action set pieces were, were really fantastic. I also thought that some of the cinematography was pretty sharp. But on the whole, blew me away. Was not expecting this good of a movie. And I I liked Ghost Protocol more than Rogue Nation. Um, and then this one came out, and I was like, well, I was getting diminishing returns. And this one was like, no, 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 no. I'll, I'll show you that I can continue on with a Mission Impossible franchise storyline from previously and make it even better. And I, again, blew me away. 
I still say I like Rogue Nation the best of these, but like it's been nonstop greatness for me when it comes to Mission Impossible movies. So it's, <laughs> it's splitting hairs. Uh, but yeah, I, you're not going to find me having anything bad to say about Fallout. I think the cinematography that you mentioned has gone underpraised, if anything. I agree. Um, I mean, there's a lot of great looking movies out there, and I'm not against any of the ones that are getting all the praise. Uh, but at the same time, it's like there's a lot of impressive filmmaking going on here as far as what he's ca- what Christopher McQuarrie is capturing uh, to make these movies like happen, particularly with IMAX cameras and like having Tom Cruise doing insane things uh, <laughs> to 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 please the audience. Yeah, there there's a real sense of scope in it, and I think you know action scenes they're just as important as any vista or you know these things that we praise in cinematography. Uh, it, I agree. The, the it's and that, that scene in the bathroom is like incredible. I mean, yeah, like, the I way mean that's shot. It, and and also the Twitter stuff that Macquarie and uh, he was kind of saying on Twitter, it's like instead of having like the most popular movie, we should really be praising stunts. And it's like, yeah, we should be praising some more stunts because uh, there's some pretty amazing uh, things that happened in this movie here. But I'll tell you, us at the Los Angeles Online Film Critics Society gave the award to best stunts for Mission Impossible Fallout. So there you go. I mean, he free he free solos it for a little bit of the movie too. He does, and <laughs> what's cool is that that's like a callback to like, sure, yeah, yeah, but it's like what what I thought about during that sequence is like you know it's like it's I don't I believe that he can climb this right because I saw him do it in part two. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, speaking of having the world stakes at hands, my number eight is the death of Stalin. Ah, okay. Oh, yay! The Armando Iannucci film, which I think is utterly fantastic and hilarious. <laughs> This move, there's a lot of funny movies that came out this year. I this is the one that I would hand uh, over the award for being the funniest. This movie makes me laugh because whatever Ianucci's, because I, I really like In the Loop. I really like Veep. I, I just his sense of humor just works completely for me, and I think there's a lot of credit that goes to making something like this as funny as it is. And I think part of that is not just having the great cast that he does, which he uses a lot of American and. British actors, uh, but having them not have to put on like a fake Russian accent and just letting them speak as they normally would, um, I think there's that gets so much that gets so much mileage out of it for me. And honestly, it's something that I wish any movie could do because for for when you have people that should be speaking in a foreign language speaking English but using that lang- that country's accent, it always bothers me. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, why even do the accent if you're not going to do the language? Mm-hmm. Um, but with that said, this movie's hilarious. I, I think Steve yeah. Buscemi is absolutely terrific here um, as kind of I the agree. lead of this ensemble. Yes. I think he should be getting a lot more awards love given what he's trying to do. I also really admire the film for starting out as like a farce but then kind of building up to being fairly serious about what it's tackling and how it's doing it. Um, there's a variety of connections you can make to today, uh, which are kind of easy to see. Um, and just the, the way it's all handled and being just an impressive, like piece of filmmaking to begin with. I mean, in addition to being a very good script, uh, there's a lot of work that goes into making what appears to be 1950s Russia complete with the music and the set design and the costumes and everything and still making that funny. So yeah, there's there's a lot that I really like about the death of Stalin, and that's why I've held it high on, even though I saw it way at the beginning of the year as still right. my number eight film of the year. Nice. Yeah, I'm really happy to see this in your top ten. It just missed my top ten. It's it's it it's just sits below it. But um, I agree. I think it was really well written, very intelligent. It's funny. It it's it's not quite as like laugh out for me. It wasn't quite laugh out loud as funny as something like Game Night, where it's a little bit more broad. But uh. 
but they, like you say, as it develops, it, it gets. I mean, they're taking the exemplars of pure evil and then making them buffoons, and <laughs> the, that there's, it's you know, there's there's a real art to that, and it this does it as good a job as as any film in that kind of way. And I, I love I love the history of it, and it, this is how much I love the film. It's based on a, a graphic novel. I bought the graphic novel because I, I oh wow, oh, and nice. I don't. Ha- I, I don't have many graphic novels. Like I'm not a comic book guy. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I, but but I I own the graphic novel for this, and it's it's really beautiful. I mean, there's something about it that's just like it's this book. I have it on my coffee table, and I just look at it every once. Just the photos, and it just reminds me of the film. Hmm. Very cool. All right. A movie that I haven't seen yet, but on my list of two C. So uh, asterisk me. Well, Marcus, let's get back to you. What's your number seven film? Uh, okay. So it's the house that Jack built. Huh. It, okay. Uh, and uh, well, as, as you all know, uh, my love of uh, Lars the artist is only uh, surpassed by my love of Dogtooth. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, okay, okay. So, just I, I saw the edited version of this because I think there was only one showing um, in my area at like midnight on a Wednesday a couple months ago and i didn't get to see that so i did see there's an edited version there's edited versions going around yeah was well, so yeah so just to clarify there was yes. a, they, they released the director's cut which is unrated of the house that jack built this is the new Lars von trier film starring matt dillon and mm-hmm. yeah there is an r-rated cut that's also yes. out as, as well and that's the one that's available i believe currently on like video on demand yes yes i did see this uh through direct tv um you can tell where the edits happen and i don't know that it takes that much away if you've seen Lars von trier movies that go all the way if they're cut just a little bit i don't know that you're taking uh... okay it, it does okay without hit it, hit it with this marcus okay so it does go over there's a lot of child there's child killing and there's um <laughs> there's <laughs> there's, well, that. there's oh. child killing and there's there's uh, uh uh animal brutality and there's um decapitation of women Anyway, I don't want to. I, I, it, it didn't make my. You're my, really didn't make my selling me on this. I, I'm, not, I'm trying to. Yeah, sell I mean, this. what did you love now, about it? Now, here's what I loved about it. I love. I think this is one of Lars's most complete pieces. Yeah. I think he is. He is a master of like this pretentious antagonism where he will almost bring you into a lecture make you sit down and lecture you on something that he may not even believe in just to see if he can persuade you to feel about this or that or change your mind on something. And I kind of love that. And this is almost his entire career encompassed into one movie. Now, some may think that's a super unpleasant waste of time, but I like it. I did like some of these other movies that people found unpleasant waste of time. So, Got it. So um, a Lars von Trier fan. This is for a Lars von Trier fan, and it has one of Matt. Dil- it has Matt Dillon. It gives a nomination-worthy performance, which I think is going to get lost in a lot of this with Lars doing Lars thing and and the controversy and all that. Matt Dillon gives a great performance. It's like one of the top three performances I think I've seen all year. Good old Lars. I. <laughs> <laughs> we have to keep moving. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. So the house that Jack built is your number seven. Yes. Let's uh, let's move on. Mark, what's your number seven? So my number seven is Love Simon, 
And I think the thing that I really love about this is it's kind of a revolutionary film, not for the subject matter, because the portrait of gay youth has been tackled before. Um, we've seen Call Me By Your Name, Last Year's Moonlight, those have dealt with that. But this is the coming-of-age tale reimagined in the style of a John, Hills, John Hughes film from the 1980s, like Sixteen Candles or The Breakfast Club. And that sort of easy accessibility is is like anything I've I've seen before, you know, and I think this is actually sort of like almost a very mainstream effort that treats the story very matter-of-factly. One of the things that really makes this portrait so engaging is the cast. Um, Nick Robinson is the central character. Uh, he was in The Kings of Summer and Jurassic World. So he has the, uh, his three best pals, Catherine Langford, uh, Alexander Ship, and Jorge Ledenberg Jr. Uh, they play his friends, and I just think the camaraderie between the group is is really warm and engaging, and it's it's one of the most heartfelt films I, I saw all last year. Yeah. All right. Great. great. Like it. All right. Now I have with me uh, Brandon Peters and Scott Mendelson, and they're going to read through their uh, top tens of 2018. So, uh, Brandon, why don't you go first? Okay. At number 10, Bumblebee. At number nine, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Number eight, Hereditary. At number seven, Annihilation. Number six, Mission, colon, Impossible, colon, Fall Out. At number five, Black Klansman with three Ks. <laughs> number four, Blind Spotting. Number three, A Simple Favor. Number two, Suspiria, the 2018 version. And number one, Upgrade, the film that you probably didn't see. All right. Uh, Scott Mendelson, what are your top ten? Uh, this will be the top 13, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, the... They will mostly be in alphabetical order because I'm a coward, with the caveat of the last two being my outright favorite films of the year. Okay. So, starting with a lot of Bs this year. It was a good year for movies that started with the letter B. Black Klansman. Black Panther. Blind Spotting. Blockers. The Favorite. First Reformed. Leave No Trace. A Quiet Place. That rhymes. Searching, Spider-Man, Into the Spider-Verse, <laughs> Tully, and my two favorite films of the year in a tie, because what's the point of choosing between them? The Hate You Give and Paddington 2. All right. Thank you guys very much. You're very welcome. Abe, what's your uh, number seven? My number seven, uh, just won an Academy, or just won a Golden Globe tonight, Green Book. It, it's a movie uh, that I wasn't expecting to like as much, because I had seen the trailer and I was like, I don't know, this seems a little bit corny. Uh, I got into the movie and I was like, this still seems corny, because the opening sequences are just uh, Viggo Mortensen kind of rallying up some rascals at a, at a Copacabana. And as the movie progresses, I really, really like the way that it, it touched upon the the friendship uh, of these two people and also just the way that it ends up. And um, if, if you're ever going to use Mel Torme's uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas at the end there while having some family scenes, you're going to get me every time, just like in a Home Alone. So <laughs> Green Book surprised me because of uh, the way that it approached the subject matter of race and, tension, and race tension, race relations back in the 60s. But for the most part, um, the friendship was pretty cool, and I was glad that it was uh, it wasn't hitting me over the head with the ideas that that 
things have been terrible and things are bad and a little bit more about like how friendship develops when you spend time with people. I think there's a segment of people that are lumping it into movies that I generally don't like as much, or at least don't have an appreciation for. And I think it's unfortunate because that's what I walked away with too. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed this movie because of how it didn't seem to fall in line with other movies that are like it. Yeah. Agreed. I was surprised how much I liked this movie too. I, this was one of, this is a movie that I probably would have made fun of. Uh, the trailers were horrific. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed it. It's good. A yeah. lot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Aaron, what was your number seven? My number seven is Black Panther. Um, Never heard of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think Black Panther is fantastic. We've talked about it plenty on this show. In addition to, and I'll get to this, in addition to all the things it does from a kind of a cultural standpoint, I think it's just a great example of what these MCU films have been doing. I haven't had an MCU film in my top ten before, so this is some, this is you know, so this is something that like stands out to me, obviously, and I think it's because Ryan Coogler has such a great handle on how to just make a good movie. Uh, he has a stack of great actors here that all you know help him with this, and even when the film gets kind of within its own mind on like having to have all the kind of superhero stuff that goes with these movies, it still stands out in a way where like if Spider-Verse is kind of disassembling the superhero genre while also becoming a part of it, this movie's using that as a launching point to get into some deeper topics that really matter. And so in- instead of just being, you know, about some like, you know, wealthy white guy that's doing a thing, this instead is about a man who's the king of a king of an African nation. And what a nation that is. I loved Wakanda in this movie. That's such a unique like location, you know, a fictional location, but one that I cared about regardless, which is more than I can say about a lot of the kind of places that are at stake in movies like this. Right. I I cared about Wakanda becoming, you know, corrupted or falling or anything because of the way this movie explores that. And on top of that, you have such a great cast here. You have Chadwick Boseman and Michael G.B. Jordan and Lupita Nyong'o and Anai Guerrero and Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis and Forrest Whitaker. There's such a great <laughs> – Daniel Kaluuya. There's so many people going on here. They're all doing a great job. The production design, the costumes, the score, the soundtrack, I, I think it all works well together. I think the story that they're telling uh, does a great job of – presenting you know, a superhero story that's baked within it tell it talks about african culture and african-american culture yeah and how things have been affected because of where we are in history and what we have and haven't been doing all of those things made it more than just a rewarding superhero movie experience but a rewarding movie experience from a dramatic level as well yeah made 700 million dollars good job yeah, <laughs> yeah. <Damn>. people connected <laughs> all right uh, Marcus, what is your uh, number six? Though? My number six is Black Panther. I, I, All right. I got it. Yeah, exactly. Everything you just said. And I love what it's doing for uh, it's bringing for the black community. It's it's uh, bringing some positive stuff to the mainstream culture. And um, I've never seen so many little white kids who wanted to be Black Panther. <laughs> so that's I in my book, that's a good thing. You know. All right. Uh, Mark, what what is your number six film? Uh, my number six is the favorite, and uh, I just really appreciated the portrait of history that it was presenting. Um, I think it was not historically accurate, but uh, funny and uh, engaging. The favorite's great. Um, I I had that tied with Death Stalin for a while, but I didn't want to have a tie. But I think there's as much as that movie's about how you know men being in power. This movie does a great job of 
having women in power and how and seeing the differences between those two, I, I thought was really something. Another uh, another movie I have to uh, to watch, but uh, seemed like it was getting some fun stuff over at the Golden Globes tonight. Oh, Col- uh, yeah, Col- Coleman won. Yeah, seems like a fun movie. I'll check <laughs> it out. It's not that fun. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, well, because I'm aware, Marcus, you did not like the favorite. It's not like I didn't like it. I, it's not like I hated it. I, I didn't like it. Because you're, you're, you're right. More, you're you're, right. You're, it seems like you're more of a Yorgos Lanzibos fan. Stomp tooth or bust. This one, I it just left me going. That's it. I don't know. Fish eye is cool and all that, but um, <laughs> you know, it's it, noted. And, and Dog is one of your favorites. Yes, it is. So that's yeah. odd. I know it's very Same odd. I, th- I thought I thought Dogtooth was more far more creative and had more things going on. I that's why so I, I think there, this there's is there's things the to like portrait in this movie. of a this is the a biography done in a way that's sort of innovative and different, and it's it's not expected. So it's it, it's that's I, kind of I think what uh, Lanthimos brought to this portrait. If I put this side by side with something like Mary Queen of Scots, I like Mary Queen of Scots a lot better. If I put this alongside this something like Death of Stalin, I like Death of Stalin way better. This kind of just laid there for me. I don't know. Maybe it's a preference. I it just laid there. This is another one I saw with my wife and she loved it. So, <laughs> what am I gonna? What I'll uh, I'll be the uh, I'll be the tiebreaker. I'll watch it and I'll I'll report back to both you <laughs> and, and Mark. I'm like I, I side with Mark here. Yeah. Well, right. I think the tiebreaker is that it's appeared on like hundreds of critics' yes, top ten lists. The tie's already broken. Mark wins. So, Marcus, you're wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> yes. Well, Ian, uh, what's, what's your number six? My number six is a movie we talked about, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This movie, I cannot get enough of it. There's just visually striking. I think the story was compact and neat. Was it? Was it simple? Yeah, it's a simple story. But uh, for the most part, it again blew me away because i was not a i wasn't sure what to expect with this and i stayed away from all the trailers and all the uh, other stuff except for the the teaser uh, and the first trailer but um the way that it was directed the way that it was humor uh the it's humor the way that it was animated you know its elements of bringing in all these other spider people from different spider universes obviously it's in the title but uh it was um so so well done, and I I I literally like want to own this like on reels or something like that. Wherever they're projecting it digitally, I just want to own it that way, so that whenever I go to a theater, I'll just like sneak in and just play it by, for myself. Because I want to uh, I want to like immerse myself in all the the goodness of the the shots of this movie. My number six is If Beale Street Could Talk, Barry Jenkins film. Um, which is another fantastic Barry Jenkins film. <laughs> if we're not getting more uh, Wong Kar Wai films anytime soon. I'm glad that Barry Jenkins is around to make films that are just so warm um, and just look great. Um, have actors that convey a sense of emotion that you don't really see that registered nearly on the same level as I see in other films. Uh, just from the second this started, when you have um, uh, Kiki Lane and Stefan James, when they're just looking at each other and the way the camera shows them looking at each other and the way the lines of dialogue have them communicating what love they have for each other you believe it like there's no there's no like time to get used to these two it's just so affecting to watch them like be together and you want to see them together and then you have to follow them go through this tragedy um, where they're separated for a variety of reasons and fortunately the movie's it's shot so lovingly there's so much warmth in the cinematography and you get so many great flashbacks to why they're together and what have you that it 
makes it easier to take in the idea that, yeah, you're actually watching this couple be together knowing that they're going to be held apart for a variety of reasons. Add to that, you have a film that's tackling some issues involving uh, black culture and that connection to uh, the prison system and things of that nature. And there's a lot this has to say. Um, it's based off a James Baldwin novel. I, I haven't read the novel, but I, I can't imagine Barry Jenkins didn't do a great job of kind of capturing that voice and putting it well into this film. This has my favorite score of the year. I think Nicholas Bertel does amazing work here. Um, so yeah, all, all of this, in addition to the fine acting for everybody involved, also including um, Regina uh, King? Regina King and uh, yeah. Coleman Domingo, uh, just great across the board. So yeah, it feels streaky talk. That's Golden Globe winner Regina King? Future Oscar winner Regina King. <laughs> And here's Kevin Taft's 2018 Top 10. All right, so here I am to tell you uh, what I chose for my best of movies for the year. But let me just uh, put a little uh, lantern on this and say that I choose movies that I personally think are my favorites of the year, not necessarily the best movies, the best made, whatever. So, um, um, So my top 10 were Anna and the Apocalypse. My number nine is a tie, and everybody's going to think I'm crazy for this, but um, <clears throat> I chose Overlord and Alpha. Um, then A Quiet Place, uh, Leave No Trace, I thought it was pretty haunting. Uh, first Reformed, uh, my number five was The Hate You Give. Uh, number four is If Beale Street Could Talk. My number three was Eighth Grade. Uh, my number two is Annihilation. And then my number one um, is something that probably nobody's seen but it's called we the animals and um i just thought it was a really kind of stunning movie that very poetic as well based on a book um it was just very emotional there's some great performances by some of the kids and by uh, the lead actor i just really really liked this movie i thought it was great and that stuck with me a lot too so there you go thanks for listening all right marcus what is your number five film number five is the wife and uh, it has a uh, Golden Globe winner Glenn Close in it. <laughs> I, so I think a lot of a lot of focus is on her performance, which is great. Um, but I think the story's kind of been disregarded. The movie itself has kind of been disregarded. Um, I didn't see it on a lot of top ten or top twenty lists. It was really great. It, it, to me, this is like the ultimate Me Too movie. This is uh, a really great glimpse on how women whether they be writers or otherwise are have been treated throughout history it's just a brief look at at, at that i i really really enjoyed it i i thought there was strong performance all the way around including glenn close obviously but the movie was very very powerful to me yeah i've heard that it's an actor's movie for sure yeah it, it's well, i it probably was adapted from a play or something okay yeah all right mark what is your number five my number five is Can You Ever Forgive Me? And uh, I really enjoyed the uh, chemistry between Melissa McCarthy and what's Richard his e. name? Richard E. Grant. Um, they play this sort of couple that's sort of a us against the world kind of thing. And I really enjoyed that. Um, Melissa McCarthy is actually somebody who I've always I've always appreciated her. Um, mm-hmm. I think she's a very funny person. Um, here's a chance for her to be serious, uh, although there is humor in the film, but it, it's essentially a, a dramatic story. And I think she does a really good job at 
sort of extracting the pathos of this character that she's playing. She is playing a real person, and that really i think she does a good job at getting you to like this person even though she's doing things that are uh, essentially illegal uh you still care for her and and also in her, in her relationship with richard e grant uh the two of them do have this sort of nice uh vibe that uh, i could really get behind um it's a really it's it, there's there's sort of a rise and fall and different things that happen in the film and uh, i was there for every step of the way i i really enjoyed this film Still haven't seen it yet, but were you surprised by her ability to be dramatic and, and good at being dramatic? No. I, I'm not. I mean, I, I think she has shown to me that she can act. But yeah. uh, I think for some people, maybe this might have been sort of a, a, a wake-up call. I do think that there's a, a pretty good chance that she may get an Oscar nomination for this as well. That'd be um, great. She was nominated for Bridesmaids. Yeah, so... I wouldn't be surprised, and I, I, I said when I wrote my initial review, I think this is her best performance in film. I think she's absolutely fantastic in this movie, mm-hmm. and she's given more to do in this. For sure, I she think. has a lot of she has a lot of things to play, and I, I said this before. I, I, I like acerbic versions of Melissa McCarthy. I think that's very funny, and for right. a movie that has to deal with a very a, a character that can be played very unlikable, I think she does a very she walks a fine line of playing that role and making others around her not like her but making the keeping the audience engaged by that work well i guess i guess the question i have for you guys lastly is did you guys forgive her could you could you guys forgive her <laughs> i mean it, it's a i did person that got off crime there you go movie, so yeah really care <laughs> <laughs> mark mark forgive her that's good enough I mean, i'm, if, I'm if, with if, mark if, if a black author did that, he would have been hanged. So I don't know. <laughs> well, Marcus forgave her too. Well, I mean, what oh, I she does is kind. Of, what she does is kind of creative. I mean, she has, she's, you know, yeah, she's guilty of plagiarism to an extent, but it's sort of her own works. And because she's so intelligent and she knows the way that people write, she can sort of mimic that so what she does is kind of if she had presented it as fiction i think what she's done is is quite amazing yeah. but you know she presented it as non-fiction and that was the problem the way that i always think about it is uh whenever again those heist movies they often ask well who's the real artist here though if you couldn't tell that the knockoff was a fake isn't that guy an artist as well it's like technically yeah that guy's also a really good artist <laughs> So yeah, it's um, a matter of how you're. I mean, because she, it's not only that she did something, but she did something and then sold it off. Sure. And yeah. Pawned <laughs> it off. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen the trailer. As, as, as something that trailer. it. She misrepresented it. Yeah. 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 And just to add on to this, uh, Richard E. Grant is terrific as well. Yes. And deserves all the praise oh, in the world. So yeah, I mean, he's, <laughs> he, he's having a ton of fun in this movie. Gives it some real pathos to back it up. So yeah, there's so much. There's a lot of good that comes out of this. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if Mahershala Ali wasn't being promoted as a supporting actor, which I I do think he's like a co-lead, um, Richard E. Grant would be my best supporting actor of the year. But it makes me have to go see this movie almost immediately. Then I got to get these rights, or I got to get the, the uh, predictions right for Oscar time. If, if, if I'm seeing Richard E. Grant play a spiritual successor to Whitnell, then yeah, I'm I'm all for that. <laughs> so this movie's doing it for me. Uh, well, my number five is Crazy Rich Asians. This is a movie we've talked Had about. that one. Locked that in. <laughs> At number five? At number five. That's there you go. Uh, we've talked about this many times, but um, yes, this is a rom-com, and yes, you can tell that things are going to happen in it that happen in rom-coms. Uh, boy meets girl, boy chases girl, and then boy gets girl at the end kind of thing. But what I loved about it along the way is that it really subverts your 
your thoughts about how it goes about some of these things. You know, boy doesn't actually get girl easily at the end there. Um, it's not as though it's like, oh, by the way, you know, my parents are terrible and, and sorry about that. No, there's actually some more layers of Asian nuance, and I appreciate the hell out of it. I think that there was a lot of great uh, performances, including Michelle Yeoh, um, who at the time that we reviewed it, I was like, she should be nominated for a Best uh, Supporting Actress. Do I still feel that way? Maybe not, but I, I haven't seen the movie in a while, so maybe maybe I'll feel differently. But uh, I think there's there's solid supporting uh, work all throughout. It looks great, and also the score is very good. Song's very good. Um and in, on the whole, very, very cl- crowd pleasing. So I, I was surprised. I was not one of those people that was like, oh, I'm, I'm they're making Kevin Kwan's movie into a movie or book into a movie. I'm going to look forward to it. It's like I had never heard of this. I never even thought I never thought or I thought that this was actually a work of not uh, of nonfiction. <laughs> and then uh, it just turned out to be all fiction. So kudos to them for for making me surprised. Can we get uh, Asian M- nuance trending? Asian <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so Michelle Yeoh was great and it was nice to see her. I mean, she, you know, she's sort of this grand dame of Chinese action cinema and she's playing this sort of more reserved kind of portrait in this movie. And I think she takes a role that could have gone sort of stereotyped and she brings sort of an innovation to it that makes it better. She adds to that part. Yeah. If, 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 you know, if you know what I'm saying. And then also, uh, Aquafina, who I didn't know who she was before this film, um, but you know she did this, and she also did. Uh, she was in Ocean's Eight, and I thought she was enjoyable as well. Yeah, I mean the whole ca- the whole cast is wonderful. It's colorful. It's bright. It's like a fun mainstream film. But I thought those two people really like you know were standouts for sure. And for Henry Golding to be like this is like his first major acting thing is like good job, guy. Because yeah, your your charisma bleeds off the screen as well. So there's tons of people around here that um, are doing good work. So my uh, number five. Uh huh. People will. Laugh? No, but people will eventually understand. They're, they'll realize why they, how they went wrong in not giving this movie, you know, more time at the box office, um, in theaters where it should have been seen. It's First Man, mm, um, okay, a, a film that I didn't necessarily expect to like, you know, break the bank when it came to box office, but certainly thought this would be a success because why wouldn't it be? It got Ryan Gosling. He's in a part of a historic event. It's got a big IMAX release going on with it. You got Damien Chazelle who's coming out of La La Land. All of these things I thought just seemed like a slam dunk as far as audiences want to see this. But that wasn't so much the case. It didn't flop out, right? But it certainly wasn't as huge of a success as it could have been. Mm-hmm. That said, I love this movie. I think it's fantastic. I'm all about kind of this kind, this this era of America. And I think this movie does such a great job of not only presenting it, but presenting it in a way that's different from how we've seen it presented before. Where we have movies like The Right Stuff and Apollo 13, which are movies I'm a big fan of. The Right Stuff is one of my favorite movies. And this one's like, all right, we know what we can see. Let's see it differently. And Chazelle takes like a Malick approach to it. And I really liked how he portrays the life of astronauts and pilots in this time period leading up to that by using this sort of naturalistic style and how he's using like handheld cameras in these domestic scenes or what have you and choosing not to show certain historic events that lead up to the Apollo 11 mission. Uh, because either we know them or they're just not pivotal to the story being told, which is about Neil Armstrong. And right. he's a very introspective guy. And the way you have to center a, a whole movie around a person like that who's not directly telling you what he's thinking all the time, that's a challenge. And I think Chazelle did a great job of matching that challenge. And it all leads up to this brilliant sequence on the moon where the whole scope of the film literally expands based off the IMAX cameras. And you just get this beautiful emotional climax where the things that he's been dealing with, such as the death of a one of his children early on is reflected upon essentially here in this sequence. That's also one of the most historic events in the history of the world. 
so all of that, I mean, it. I think First Man is just a spectacular movie, and uh, yeah. I'm very happy to have have it high in my top ten list. I it didn't make my top ten, but I certainly I can guess why people thought that it was going to be something like the right stuff or, you know, Apollo thirteen, and it's actually really more of like a think piece uh, on Neil Armstrong. It's it's literally his introspective thoughts, and I think that makes it fascinating as well. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the film. It's it's in my top 20. But uh, I will say that I did appreciate Corey Stoll as Buzz Aldrin. And I know that the script per- portrays him as a bit of a jerk. But to be honest, I kind of liked him. And and I kind of secretly longed for a portrait about him. Yeah, he, yeah. he's making some uh, some mean remarks at some guy's funeral. Come on, <laughs> Corey as, Stoll's making as, a jerk. As I've said, if you're going to show people going to the moon... You can't have both of them be in their head the whole time. You need to have one to bounce off the other. So it's like, that's a perfect foil for Neil Armstrong. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, technically that blew me away as well. I, I mean, I use the term blew away a lot because these are the top 10 movies. Oh, and then, uh, uh, well, oh. sorry, just was going to mention Claire Foy too was really good in it. She is very good in a role that I think she, I, well, she, I think that role could, the role like that, the wife character can generally go written in a certain way that feels familiar. And I, I think she does a lot with what what could have been kind of more thankless. I, I, think, I, I, I think that she was doing all the she did a great job with what she was given, but I don't think they really gave her all that much to do except for like the ending scene well, where I, the the reason is, you know, Neil Armstrong is such sort of a blank slate. I think uh, Claire Foy gives mm-hmm. you a little bit more emotion. She's sort of like the way that we can kind of connect to the right. emotional weight of the drama through I her. agree. I agree, and I would say that's why that ending scene works for me so well. It's not like we don't know that person. So right. The fact that you have the two of them together, I think, says a lot for how effective both of them were with me throughout the movie. Fair. Good point. Okay. Marcus, what's your number four? Number four, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. You Hey-o. guys have hey, kind of said hey, it all. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but this, I, here's what, one thing I'll add. This watching this made me feel the same way that I felt when reading comics as a kid. Um, and I haven't felt I don't know that I've felt that way on on watching something on the big screen like that. Um, so in a in a year where I had a lot of there was a lot of animated disappointments for me. This was an outstanding piece. This was better than Black Panther, in my opinion. Cool. All right. Yeah. What is going on, everybody? This is Philip Price of ReviewsFromABed.com, also of Tavern Talk by Initial Reaction on YouTube. If you'd like to check out some video movie reviews there, certainly appreciate that if you do so. But as for my top 10 movies of 2018, I'll start at the top with number 10, which is the Natalie Portman star Vox Lux. Number 9 is director John Krasinski's A Quiet Place. Number 8 is Barry Jenkins' adaptation of James Baldwin's novel, If Beale Street Could Talk. Number seven is Mission Impossible Fallout. Number six is Paddington 2. Number five is Paul Schrader's First Reformed, starring Ethan Hawke. Number four is Spike Lee's Black Klansman. Number three is Spielberg's Ready Player One. Number two is Bradley Cooper's directorial debut with A Star is Born. And my number one movie of 2018 is Avengers Infinity War. Thank you, Aaron and Abe, for letting me shout out my top ten on your show always a pleasure to be on out now everybody else enjoy the rest of the show thanks uh mark what's your number four my number four is roma uh alfonso cuaron's uh reminiscence about his growing up i thought it was a beautifully filmed uh movie possibly the best you know best cinematography i'll just go for it best cinematography of the year and 
it really speaks to everyone's life is important and everyone's life has a story worth telling. And he tells the story about this housekeeper uh, and you see through the eyes of this family and it's it's just so poignant and beautifully told. I saw. I have to admit, I did see this film in a really great theater. It was actually a Dolby theater. The sound design is all around you. Yes. You hear yeah. the, the 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 sounds of the city and everything. So it is a. It's it's and then with the cinematography as well. It's a very immersive experience, and I I do believe that probably added to my experience. Still, I think it's a great great film. It still would be my number four, even if I had watched it at home on Netflix, because I think. What he's telling here is is a story that it deserves to be told, and it is made up of the minutia of life. Although things happen in this film that are pretty major. I mean, there's babies being born, and and right. and you know, life and Fires, death situations, earthquakes, that, and yeah. all sorts of stuff. There's a revolution and everything that's going on in the city, and all of that is portrayed, and and you see it through her eyes. And uh, I just thought it was, you know, he's using not uh, except for one, the woman who plays the mother, um, mm-hmm. the 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 whole cast is supposedly non-actors uh, headed up by Yelitsa Arparicio, um as the maid. And I think she's brilliant. I mean, it, it may be Alfonso Cuaron's ability to extract this performance from her since she isn't an actor, but whatever, however that he got it, uh, she's wonderful. And, and that's yeah. why it's my number four. I like it. Aaron had also mentioned that uh, some some of the way that they were shooting it, some of the actors didn't see the entire script until maybe that day. So uh, I was kind of impressed the way that they were able to elicit emotions like that too, Mark, from non-actors. Yeah, Koran held the script back from everybody. (laughs) It was literally like on daily basis delivering some like of the pages for the script for not just the actors, but like the people involved in making sure. (laughs) But I can see how that really helps out with um, what you're the the reactions you're seeing on the screen. Cool. Well, my number four is a movie that seemingly doesn't get a lot of love on these top 10 lists or top 25, maybe even top 50, is Blind Spotting. Um, Blind Spotting is a movie that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. I mm-hmm. think that the acting was fantastic. There's just two friends, Rafael Cassell and David, uh, David Diggs. They wrote this like 10 years ago. They've been like honing it ever since. They waited for them to get a little bit of blow up, and then they made this thing into a big blow up. And what I love, what I love about it is it's super bay and not B A yeah like not B A E but B A Y it's super bay area yeah so what what it's great about it is like the music choices the way that they talk you know the lingo uh, but also what's going around here for real you know the gentrification of Oakland um, and how you know some people can't really afford to live here anymore but. Above all, it's about friendship and these two guys and how they look out for each other, even though they come to some harsh, harsh realizations throughout the movie. So it was an actor's, uh, like a young and up-and-coming actor's dream kind of thing, but also the way that they directed it. It's like, this guy used to direct like shorts, and he like was friends with David Diggs, and he's like, hey, you want to direct this movie for me? And their music videos. And their music videos, and they did a great job. So uh, yeah. I was I was impressed all throughout. Like, on second so, viewing, not as powerful, but obviously that's because I had been like so tense in the first viewing. So Abe, as far as like Bay Area movies are concerned, would you say it's hella good? It's hella good. Hella good. And, like, for <laughs> For real people right. from California and Northern California and Central California, it's hecka good. <laughs> yes. And, you know, 
they, we, we've made hella ubiquitous now, but Hecka <laughs> is something that people don't really know about. So it's Maybe crazy. people don't realize, but hella good or hella is a Bay Area yeah. slang. Yeah, I, I'm sure they do. <laughs> <laughs> they know. Nah, they don't, man. They don't. It's Hecka good, yo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Aaron, what is your number four? My number four is Paddington 2. Oh, all right. Um, I don't know what I need to explain about Paddington because if you don't know why I would have it this high on my list, you just haven't seen Paddington 2. <laughs> I mean, that's really what it comes down to. This movie uh, is warmth made into cinema. It's joy as film. It's what you would want the world to be like um, to be influenced by this bear voiced by Ben Wishaw. Uh, I think <laughs> Paddington does everything that you just wish could happen in your life as far as having a a quirky set of characters all surrounding this, this immigrant bear that's come into society and just wants to help, just wants to make things better, just wants to do what he can to be a good functioning member of the world. Uh, I think that says a lot about both the joy and charm of this film, as well as about what we should be seeking more of in today's landscape. So yeah, having to do my number four. Ben Wisha, if he wasn't voicing it would, would have been still so uh, kind. Yeah, sure. Okay. Colin Firth was the like... original voice, so yeah. could have worked. Did you like uh, Paddington Two more than the first one? Yes. Okay. Because yeah, they're I mean, both good. They're yeah. both very good. I, I like Paddington. And a both lot. January releases. I mean, in America. In America, <laughs> right? But uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I would say it's so much splitting hairs. I do, I do think Paddington Two makes some legit jumps over the first Paddington, but yeah, I mean, Paddington, Pad, the first Paddington is also very good. But this one just seems like it, it seems to fl- have floored me, just like it floored many others with its still one hundred percent Rotten Tomato score rating. <laughs> good job, good job. And it features a nice supporting turn by Hugh Grant. By Hugh Grant, oh, yeah. for sure, oh, yeah. Yes. And I mean, as much as praise as Hugh Grant gets, and he is very good, Hugh Bonneville's great in this movie. Brendan Gleeson's mm-hmm. great in this movie. Like the the, the cast here is fantastic. Sally Hawkins. Sally Hawkins. Yeah, like, the girl delivery. from uh, you know that that monster movie is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, marmalade sandwiches go, went up through the roof after that after that movie was released. Of course it did. Marcus, <laughs> what's your number three film? Number three is Hereditary. Boo! <laughs> I know he hates this one, but okay, okay. So actually, you don't this, like it, Abe? This is a terrible movie. <laughs> this was. Oh, a no, movie. I like it. Yeah, I lo- I loved it. This is the only movie on my list that I actually liked more. The further I got away from it, it, it was like a little ear. What do they call it? Earworm or something like that that just dug in there and really grabbed <laughs> onto me and like demanded that I watch it again. It's so disturbing and and different and and just uh, I, i've seen it like three or four times already yeah i i i i wasn't alive during the release of rosemary's more, more disturbing than or, the house that jack built um it's better than the house that jack built right yeah, i mean matt dylan has it's, to decapitate the women himself this one they do it themselves so yes <laughs> this one is so it's so different even if you've said you've seen people get decapitated before in other movies, you, you've, you've never, never seen you've it never, like this. You've never seen something like this. You, right, right. I always I, thought like the most famous decapitation for me was uh, the Omen, the Omen. but yeah. this this one tops it. This one tops it. Even when you think like it's it's one of those. Uh, not to give too much away, but th- th- you think there's a main character, and then the main character goes away, and you're like, 
Where is this movie going? It's so bizarre. All stakes are up here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, okay. So anyway, I haven't. I I wasn't alive during Rosemary's Baby release, and I wasn't alive during Exorcist release. But I I felt that maybe this would be the same thing. It would be it, when I saw this movie. It's just so different. I loved it. I what was about so- Psycho? Alfred Hitchcock Psycho. Well, maybe uh, that. Yeah, it's it, it also not alive into, during Psycho. It set, it set me into a friend. Also not alive during. Uh, well, we can go in forever, but. Uh, <laughs> what about the cabinet of Doctor Caligari? <laughs> uh, yes, not 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 alive. But <laughs> but um, I I was in a frenzy after this movie. I really really loved it, and it just. Liked it more and more and more until I I had to get it on DVD and then I watched it again. My you wife hates it just short, like the strange things about the the strange. I thing do about the see that's I did and I love that too. Yeah, they're both very strange, bizarre and different. Yeah. So yeah, I I'm, my my wife is thinking the same thing as as you, Abe. She hated the movie. She was ready to leave. I, uh, I don't know if I hated it, but I, I didn't like it as much as a lot of people did. I look. I mean, I'm already looking forward to Ari Aster's next movie, which comes out this summer. Yes, mid 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 November. Okay, um, and, but yeah, no, this one. It's such a such a great performance from Tony Collette. Yes. Oh, from, she from, is from phenomenal. It's yeah. my favorite performance it, of the year. She should I, get she, I really, I'm really hoping she gets an Oscar nomination for right. Best Actress, and I think it's sort of up in the air whether she will get one. It seems like it's trending that way. She's phenomenal. She's yes, very good. But, but but as far as a directorial debut, I mean, yeah, it's a really strong one. You get such a great like sense of place in this movie, which is not by accident, given that given the occupation that Tony Collette's character actually has, and right. how that kind of throws you into the story as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, certainly one that was you know, I have this in somewhere in my top thirty, I think, or something. But no, I, I was a big fan of Hereditary as well, yeah. especially as far as original horror movies coming out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that, cool. that it starts. It starts with that tracking shot of a dollhouse from far mm-hmm. away, and then it pans closer, and then then you get into the bedroom, and then the father enters. I mean, just it's such a brilliant beginning. Yeah, it's it's Charlie Kaufman esque. It's much better Mark. than Suspiria. <laughs> Mark, what's your number three? So my number three is Green Book. I love the camaraderie yes! between Viggo Mortensen and Mahershala Ali. Yeah, I mean, come I didn't on. Know, I, I, didn't know where you I, I have you and I have a heart, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Take this that, Aaron movie, and Marcus. This I love it too. We all like it. <laughs> I know. There, but you are right. There is sort of a, a contingent out there that wants to take down this film, and I don't know why because Mahershala Ali is, I mean, uh, incredible, and and Viggo Mortensen is great as well. I think they're both equally good i think their parts are both well written i think they give equal time to both you get a feel for who these people are they take parts that maybe in the hands of a lesser actor may not have read as as you know as well but they give them um such depth and i i fell in love with these cup these two and these these guys you know they they maybe they weren't friends but for this time, they connected and they helped each other out, and I really enjoyed the way that their lives played out together. And I think it was a great story. And you know, reading the story, I kind of go, "Oh gosh, this is sort of sounds like you know, Driving Miss Daisy, or this could be like The Help, or things like that." But I mean, and not that those are bad films, but. I, I actually I, I like this more than both of those films. I, I think this I this surpasses that in a way that really gives a, a, a I don't know a poignancy to these 
two people's lives and uh, the way that they changed. And I and I believe the change. You know, you can read it on paper and say, oh, this sounds very manipulative and like, you know, I, I, I know where this is going. But when you see it play out before you in front of your eyes, it's done with such depth and heart and intelligence that I loved it. So that's why it's you, my number You made three. a really good observation there of something I hadn't thought about, which is if there are other actors in this, would it have been the same? And I honestly, when I think about it just off the top of my head, it's like, not really, because I think there's actually a lot of charm that Vigo brings, and Mahershala just brings like this air of, of uh, brilliance with him uh, playing that character. So perhaps, yeah, but in the moment, I can't really... like. I mean, if Christian Bale well. and Denzel stop by, I'm sure they could probably do an okay job with this too. <laughs> but like, I, Christian I know Bale, yeah, yeah, Denzel. I feel see, like I don't know. I don't know if no, so Denzel Kevin Washington. Hart. I don't know if he's he. I don't think he would be well cast. <laughs> in this yeah. No, is it the Rock and who? And, and Kevin, Kevin Hart, Hart, I think. <laughs> I mean, they do that on. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, I, I agree with you, Mark, on the Denzel thing. It's like yeah, Denzel's a great actor. Don't get me wrong, but it's like for a part like this. No, I'd say like like early '90s Denzel. Okay, yeah, early, yeah, yeah, chewing sandwiches, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, all right, I got another bonus top ten for you guys here. This one's coming from Michael Lee. How are you doing, Mike? Fine. How are you? I'm good. Good. He's pretty excited. All right, and number ten. This is a tied uh, result, so it's going to be number ten. It's Avengers: Infinity War and Mission Impossible. Fallout. Uh, coming in at number nine is Searching. Number eight, Paddington 2. Number seven, a Simple Favor. Number six, Black Panther. Number five, The Hate You Give. Number four, Roma. Number three, If Beale Street Could Talk. Number two, Crazy Rich Asians. And number one, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. All right. Well, great. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Uh, my number three movie of the year is Paddington 2. Aaron had touched upon it. Um, it is fantastic. It is warm. It is loving. Hugh Grant, like what Mark said, uh, he's he's acting in this movie. He's having a great time. Everyone's having a great time. Uh, but what really caught me off guard is, is just that they took some chances in this movie that I haven't really seen before in live action animated. I mean, there's a story big sequence that just completely knocked me flat on my butt. Um, something that I would not have expected. It was very genius. It was just... The, the art direction in this movie is just I don't even know who decided to it has it ha, I didn't say this before but it has kind of a Wes Anderson kind of feel to it kind of when they're in the prison because of the cemetery and the pink and whatever else but for the most part it's yeah. very warming and um, I agree with Aaron that if you if you did if you're wondering why it's so high on some people's list you should go see it and if you haven't seen it you should definitely watch part one and then part two but um, again there's just some way that they directed this movie um and the way that they storyboarded it and shot it and whatever else that just makes it very very well done so kudos to everybody involved um if it hasn't been getting as much love in terms of like the mass media please go check it out yeah time to do it rocks (laughs) hey everybody jim deets here from the hhwlod network and from oldmagicgaming.com and also a frequent uh, collaborator with uh, uh aaron and brandon on their um uh, commentary tracks and uh, somewhat uh, frequent guest on that now with Aaron and Abe and Aaron and Abe have been gracious enough to invite me to give uh, my top 10 list of uh, movies for the year uh, but being a cheater cheater pumpkin eater I'm going to go with the top 12 uh, just because I can plus a few honorable mentions in the honorable mention category I'd like to mention uh, Widows which uh, came out at the end of the year and I, I didn't really think got the uh, recognition it really needed great performances all around great 
great script in that Stephen McQueen movie. Uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which uh, upon repeat viewings is probably going to end up becoming one of my favorite uh, Coen Brothers movies. Uh, Sorry to Bother You, which was a movie that I feel like flew under a lot of people's radar uh, with a lot of really racially charged films that we had this year with a lot of really cool things to say. I wish I had gotten more attention. Uh, but here are my top 12. Number 12 is Shoplifters. Touching and, uh, and uh, almost poetic uh, movie about people living on the fringes of society and the uh, the whole definition of family and what it means in different different contexts and uh, just really really moving touching film. Number eleven is the Endless uh, movie that came out and kind of came out of nowhere for me with a really smart uh, hook and uh, horror overtones. Really really cool, well well uh, implemented uh, indie film. It shows that you can do a lot with a little bit of budget. Uh, number ten is going to be a tie because there are two very similar movies, uh, Hotel Artemis and Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, both of these are really good ensemble casts with a cool premise and a well-written script. Both movies I felt really didn't get the audience I, f I thought they deserved, and I enjoyed both of them immensely. I thought they were ver both very well uh, executed films. Uh, number nine is Animal World, which was a Hong Kong film which came to the States this year uh, with Michael Douglas in it. Killer Clown, uh, much like uh, Deadpool, uh, fighting uh, anthropomorphic uh, beings, a kid with a gambling problem, and the deadliest game of rock, paper, scissors ever. And that's all I'm going to say about it. It's just a very bizarre film that really stuck with me. It had a lot of very memorable uh, set pieces and uh, some really cool um, plot twists and reveals as the story went on. Uh, number eight, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Very cool film. Very well kinetically shot. The animation is immaculate. The script is, is, is tight. The characters are really well done. I really enjoyed it. And in a year of stuff full of superhero movies it really stood out uh, number seven black klansman uh, i hope this gets the oscar recognition it deserves because we had some outstanding performances a uh, really great story spike lee shows what a great craftsman he can be would give him the right material uh, just a really good good film and in a, again in a year that had a lot of uh, racially charged films and a lot of really cool things to say uh, about race and the way we relate to it uh, Black Klansman really stood out. A number six is a smaller film called The Clove Hitch Killer with uh, Dylan McDermott. It's an indie film from the IFC Midnight line. It really kind of struck me as uh, almost like a uh, David Fincher film. Uh, reminded me a lot of uh, Zodiac in some ways about a uh, teenage boy who thinks his dad might be a infamous serial killer. Uh, probably the best performance I've ever seen from Dylan McDermott. Definitely the best uh, film from a first-time director uh, this year, uh, in my opinion, anyway. Number five is Black Panther. What more can I say about Black Panther? It hasn't already been said by everyone else, and their brother is a great, great superhero film that had a lot of cool social context in it, great performances, and uh, definitely uh, very rewatchable. Uh, number four is Annihilation, a solid female-led sci-fi original movie, and... As much as people, you know, uh, wring their hands and say there are no, you know, good female-led action sci-fi original movies and everything's a sequel, here is one, and it just totally bombed at the box office, uh, despite being really uh, beautifully put together by Alex Garland, really striking uh, visual style and sense, really great story, and just great performances all around. Really appreciated it a lot. Uh, number three is Blind Spotting. Uh, again, something a, a movie that's already gotten a lot of critical wads, and rightfully so. Uh, just really well-executed film about a, a main character's last three days before his probation is over, uh, who witnesses a crime. Uh, just very well-written, very well-implemented, and very true to life. 
You know, it made me feel like I was living in the shoes of those characters. It just really came off well. Uh, number two is uh, Mandy. Might be my favorite Nicolas Cage performance since Wild at Heart. It was just this heady blend of like a heavy metal album covers and 1970s horror fantasy novels and comics and just all these things all mixed together in a blender and put out. Just incredibly stylish. Uh, a movie that really stuck with me after I watched it, and I watched it a few times, and every time I went back to it, I noticed things I hadn't noticed before. Uh, great performances all around. Linus Roach, uh, as well as the cult leader, very well done, great, greatly implemented, and I, I can't wait to see the next film from this, uh, this director. And then my number one film for the year is a documentary, and very near and dear to my heart because it's one of uh, Pittsburgh's uh, most famous residents. Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? The documentary about Fred Rogers, or it'd be hard to overstate the uh, the influence that Fred Rogers has had on a whole generation of kids and and the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, the message of acceptance and love and self acceptance and self esteem that a lot of kids needed, including me, uh, growing up in that time period. Uh, it just really was a, a touching tribute, and it was one of the few movies that actually made me well up in tears uh, before uh, I was done with it. So that's my uh, my top 12, top 13, I guess, for the year. And thanks for including me, Aaron. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to do another uh, commentary track with you guys or, or guests or whatever. It's always a pleasure. Thanks. 2018, great year in movies. Uh, Aaron, what's your number three? Uh, my number three. So now we're in the territory where these are the only films that I gave perfect scores to as far as ratings go. So it was very easy to come up with my top three films. Um, my number three film is Cold War. The Pavel Pavlikowski's uh, follow-up to Ida, which won him an Oscar a couple years back. And if it were not for Roma, I'd be expecting him to win another Oscar this year. <laughs> but um, I think this movie is fantastic. Uh, it is a romance epic. Uh, the story of two people that fall in love um, for a variety of reasons. It takes place over 15 years, yet the movie's only 85 minutes long. Uh, shot black and white in 4 by 3 frame. It has a very distinct look to it, uh, but I just really enjoyed everything about how this movie played out. I, I think it's wonderfully acted, wonderfully shot. Uh, it incorporates a musical element that I think is very well handled. If you want to talk about symmetry, this movie certainly, by using that framing, it certainly has that in spades as far as how it's communicating to you so much uh, within such a distinct span of time. Uh, the idea that you're going across so many years and having to follow along with this romance, I think the, the movie does a great job of showing you what's important. I mean, this is, a great, this is a great exercise in editing as far as how you're supposed to feel about these people within such a short amount of time to really get to know them and everything. Uh, but no, I, I, I just really, really engaged with what this movie had to offer. I think it does a great job of selling you on these characters, the position that they're in, and giving you such a great environment to work with as far as the cinematography and the filmmaking mm -hmm. is concerned. Cool. Yeah, Cold War. It's my number three. I like it. All right. Before we get to our, our number two and one picks, I want to go over some of the listener uh, Hit top tens here. Yeah. Um, so I asked on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash on podcast, what everybody's favorite movies of 2018 were. So we got a number of uh, picks here. Uh, first we have from Justin. Um, his and his boys' favorites uh, are uh, Wreck-It Ralph 2, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, Black Panther, Ready Player One, Quiet Place, Incredibles 2, Mission Impossible Fallout, Rampage, The Meg, Christopher Robin, Upgrade, The House of a Clock in Its Walls, and Smallfoot. The Meg. Makes a lot of sense. A lot of family movies there. Yeah. The the Upgrade, of course. Um, <laughs> Adam has uh, Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Annihilation, Mission Impossible Fallout, and Incredibles 2. 
Tyler writes, some of my favorites in no particular order. Paddington 2, Demon House, Won't You Be My Neighbor, Hereditary, Black Klansman, Searching, Overlord, A Simple Favor, Blind Spotting, The Ritual, Annihilation to All the Boys I Loved Before, Upgrade, and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> Chris has Hereditary, A Quiet Place, Annihilation, Suspiria, and Overlord. A lot of horror. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. Oh, and Apostle was very underrated. Uh, Christopher has Black Panther, Avengers, Rampage, and Tomb Raider. And Philip writes, Roma, Isle of Dogs, First Man, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Still need to see Shoplifters, which I highly anticipate joining my top five. So, yeah, thank you, everybody, for uh, putting in your, for that. Uh, your favorite picks here. And so with all that, Marcus, what is your number two film of the year? My number two film is The Writer. The Writer, it's probably the last movie that I saw this year, or maybe the second to last. But um, I think it's one of the most impressive feats all the way through as far as um, acting from non-actors, you're watching guys break horses in real time. Uh, it's my favorite cinematography of the year. Uh, it's probably technically the best made film of the year, like on a technical level. I mean, Chloe Zhao, Chloe Zhao uh, really rides the line beautifully between fiction and reality by using these real people and taking like 60% of their real story and making a fictionalized version of what, what we're seeing. The real guy had a real accident, like the one she's portraying in her fictionalized story. So that's how like blurred lines it gets. But I love this movie. I I think it, it, I really, this, this had an impact on me. Mm Mm-hmm. All right. Glad to hear. Huh? Yes. Mark, what's your number two? My number two is Blind Spotting. It's been oh, mentioned before, yes. but I, I just thought it was a thoughtful reflection on the changing population of a city. Um, you know, it's different, disparate points of view. They lead to conflict. Uh, they have these uh, two characters, I mean, played by David Diggs and Raphael Casal. They're friends in real life, and that camaraderie shows through on the screen. Um, I I just like their journey, and I, I thought uh, there's some there's scenes in this film that are rank among some of the best of the year. I, I loved the part where they go to a uh, party thrown by this sort of uh, new to the area uh, uh, hipster guy and yeah, hip, <laughs> yeah hipster he, he's right like exactly. a tech CEO hipster. yeah yeah and, and he happens to have the same tattoo as our, yeah, our one of our your, your tattoo and brothers just, yeah and, and the way that that scene unfolds and then also uh, the way that Rafael Casal his character talks and how someone misrepresents that as a cultural appropriation when that is just the way he really does talk yeah brilliant i mean i just thought and scene after scene throughout this film and there are scenes that almost look like there's a part where a child uh, gets a hold of a gun and you think oh my gosh this is going to devolve into something horrible and it, it it a lot of times the scenes don't go where you think they're going to go but they still make just as strong a point as if it had you know ended that way and and there's several like that and there's a there's a, a, a sort of a climax at the end with a cop and 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 our and david Diggs and just i mean over and over again this film like wowed me and i it just 
it, 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 I mean, I, I walked out of the theater going, oh, my God, that's I, I actually it could have been my number one. I mean, it, it really could have been. But nice. uh, it just it's, it's it's my number two. Mark, I just want to say that uh, I, uh, I heck I like your pick there. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> look glad to hear you say that. Yeah. Take that, Aaron, you Southern California guy. <laughs> hey, what's your number two? <laughs> My number two pick uh, for this year is Eighth Grade. It's Bill Burnham's uh, movie that he wrote and directed. Bill Burnham has I've, – I've been watching a lot of interviews with Bill Burnham talking about this movie, and he talks about just the anxiety that he's felt growing up. He personally suffers from anxiety, and he wanted to write this movie about um, kind of dealing with it. And so he decided to write about this, this, uh, this girl – uh, in eighth grade of today's modern times. And what I find fascinating about it is that it's very true to life. There's, she doesn't look like an actress. She is just literally, she's done some stuff here and there, but she has, um, she really was in eighth grade when they filmed it, or at least she just finished eighth grade when they filmed it. Um, the harsh realities that are set in with, I guess, just the way that you have social pressures now. Um, there's like an honest truth to it. I really liked the way that the father is. I forget his name, something something Hamilton or, or what have you. But uh, there's just a lot of Josh Hamilton. Josh, Josh Hamilton, Hamilton thank father. you. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of authenticity in it that I just really, really adored and I loved. And there's even one point, like the most uncomfortable scene in it, where I thought this is – this is awful for this person. And I honestly genuinely didn't like the way that she reacted to it. Not that she was like broken down a bit, but she was like, please don't tell whatever, because I'm sorry that this happens. Like, see, this is, this is how these issues happen in the future where it's like, you know, you have all these like repressed feelings about, uh, uh, these situations that happen to you. And I just thought that this was, um, a very, very solid, solid movie. Abe. Yes. That, uh, I stamp of approval on everything you just said. Boom. <laughs> Heck it. <laughs> Aaron, what is your number two movie of 2018? My number two movie is Blindspotting. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. This movie's fantastic. That's what we were saying about you with Southern California then. I, I mean, I don't know why you think I'd leave Blindspotting off my top ten list because I was shouting to the heavens about this movie the second I saw it. Um, I, I knew it had to be pretty high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I saw you've you've posted a few things, so yeah, because blind spotting's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked a lot about it already. I will just mention, yeah, the director Carlos Lopez Estrada uh, has done an amazing job, uh, as well as the editor for this film, because I think there's, in addition to what a great screenplay that Diggs and Casala put together, I do think the movie is visually very, you know, intriguing to watch. I watched it again with Anna, and I hadn't seen it since I saw it in theaters. I forgot how colorful it is. Yeah, it's a it's a really vibrant film that presents this heightened reality. It does that a great job at that. Um, in addition to having these kind of big characters that can, you know, have a way of talking in a way that's very funny, that's very impactful, and a variety of different things. Um, and you have this story that tackles a number of different topics, whether they be humor, drama, socially relevant areas, or what have you. All case within Oakland. Uh, Oakland's had a great year at the cinemas. Right. I mean, Mark, you mentioned Sorry to Bother You. We both, uh, Marcus and I, we both mentioned uh, Black Panther, mm-hmm. uh, the o- making up the OCU, of course, the Oakland <laughs> Cinematic Universe. Yes. Um, but yeah, this movie does a great job of showing just what, you know, how things have changed, specifically in the area, as well as just how life can be for people that are from, you know, the same place, but are different for a variety of reasons. Right. Um, and yeah, the movie's also just damn funny. Like the well, <laughs> there's just there's a lot of great scenes that just make this when, make the humor come out so well. 
when you go to your local fast food joint, please specify meat when you want to <laughs> yeah. order a hamburger. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to be vegan. <laughs> but those potato wedges, those are pretty good. Oh, and the potato wedges, yes. Not fries. But, you mentioned yeah. the there's a spoken word scene that takes place towards the end, and yeah, I that that's one of my favorite scenes of the year, just be, just because of how much of a a gamble that could be to have a scene like that, and whether or not it could pay off, and I think it does so well. I, I think right. I think it's a, a great sequence that encapsulates things that I mean, Diggs is both known for and very good at doing, but somehow bringing that into a film that already has this kind of heightened reality and bringing it one step further to make this other scene that could seem absurd like on the page but somehow works within the framework of this movie so yeah blind spotting it was a fantastic movie uh happy to ha- have it as a part of my life it's a great way to ca- uh, characterize it yeah it's i'm happy to pr- have a part of my life too hi everybody this is zaki hassan and here is my list of top 10 favorite movies for the year that just ended 2018 in the number 10 spot i have the final year which is the hbo documentary about the last year of the obama administration number nine is upgrade Uh, in the number eight spot a movie i did not expect to make my list bumblebee coming in at number seven we have vice number six was stan and ollie number five paddington two and number four, I had Mission Impossible Fallout, followed by, in the number three spot, Avengers Infinity War. And number two was Black Klansman, leading into my favorite movie of 2018, which was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and I hope to catch you next year. So now, we're at our number ones, guys. Top of the list. Marcus, what uh, is your number one guess, film? Guess what? Yeah, Paddington 2? Oh no! Just missed it. My uh, blind spotting. Boom! Of course, yeah. Woo-hoo! Of course, Bay Area. You know, yeah, I had to do it. Simply, I think it's. The, I think Wait, it's the, blind spotting. I love all the love that blind spotting is getting on this podcast. Yeah, I, I, exactly. This, yeah. Like I, I, yeah. I think it's the boys in I mean, the hood of this generation. It, honestly, I, I think it's the most important movie of the year. I don't know. I guess there's going to be a lot of people that maybe they think I'm biased or something because I think the Warriors are the best team in basketball <laughs> and I love this movie but as soon as I saw this I knew it was going to be my number one movie of the year I knew it was going to be it's, it's the most important movie of the year there was not going to be a lot that was going to knock this out yeah wow well done okay and well, what Mark. and whatever you guys said <laughs> okay thank you yeah Mark what is your number one film of the year my number one film of the year is Eighth Grade. And oh. what I think this film does, I don't, Bo Burnham, I don't know how he got into the mind of a 13 year old you know, girl navigating the, the gawky existence of middle school, but somehow he portrayed that perfectly. And there's scene after scene of awkward interactions. And I was sort of like on the edge of my seat. Like she goes to a pool party and you're just like, Knowing that you know they're they're wearing their bathing suits and she's sort of awkward. She's only been invited because the mother of the girl is trying to invite everyone, and it's just so. It sort of reminded me a little bit of uh, Todd Salon's uh, "Welcome to the Dollhouse," but I, I think this is actually a little bit more sweeter and more. Todd Salon's is very kind of nasty and 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 he sort of almost relishes the, the you know kind of the harshness of it there's sort of a sweetness to this and there's a heart to it and not everything is horrible she she does meet a guy at the party and and he, 
their their interaction is kind of well she meets she meets a couple guys but the more the nicer interaction is a sweet guy and you see how this all plays out and i just i really just feel like it captures that uh part of adolescence as well as as anything i've ever seen and so uh you know that's why it's my number one i think uh elsie fisher who is the actress that plays the girl who really is i think 13 i mean they didn't cast an older girl to portray a younger girl she really is that age she she embodies that and you know she does these little social media interactions and she signs everyone off with gucci and it's just so like <laughs> sad because it there's sort of i mean you have to see it but it's sadly it's, awesome it's you just yeah, yeah i mean but yeah. you want to just you want to give her a hug you know it's just you know and and it's got a lot of little uh vignettes throughout the film that uh really uh portray this section of her life and i just thought it was really beautifully done and that's why it's number one I also just want to add that when I was watching it in theaters, uh, there were people that were cringing around me. They were probably in like their teens or twenties because they had heard about it. And my, the, I think my reaction to that would have been like, "Cool, that means that the director did something that resonates with you." That you know what I mean? Like you probably have either been in that situation or you know the, a situation like this. And if it's making you uncomfortable because she's like making all these terrible um, videos that no one's really watching. Then you know. Then you probably honestly have. Would you been... call them terrible videos, though? They're not. They're actually. They're actually super cool because they're really uplifting. I mean, she's like yeah. saying all the right things. Exactly. She's saying all the right things, and she's just getting zero views, and that makes me sad because uh, right. you know she's trying hard in all, in all of them. And what I like what I like about it a lot is just it's completely the opposite of how she is in real life, and. You know, some of the lists that she makes of, of like what she wants to do in the next year, just there's a lot of beauty in what is on the page. The other thing that I want to say is that Bo Burnham, uh, he wrote all the ums and the ohs and whatever else. So kudos to him on literally speaking like a 13 year old girl and writing it down and then having her do the, the lines that way. All right. Yeah. Well, Mark, well you're number one, eighth grade, Abe. My number one you. movie of 2018 is Chloe Zhao's The Writer. Is um, yeah. <laughs> Aaron just posted his top, what he thought were our top tens uh, of mine. But The Writer is a movie <laughs> that I like. What Marcus was saying, it's a movie that you. Th- it if I were to go into a pitch meeting, which I've never done, and say I want to make a movie uh, about a. a some guy who's over in North Dakota, and I want him to star in it. It's going to be partially about his life, and I also want his family to be in it, and all his friends, and his like best friend. You look at me and say like, "Can these people act?" And I say, "No," and then you probably turn my project down. This right. is a movie that is like almost improbable to have made, to have been made. You know, it stars the people. When Aaron told me out of this movie, and he's like, "No, Brady." plays the real Brady. It's just like a, a different version of him, but he's the guy that's in it. And I was like, this movie is not going to be that good. I watched it and I was like, literally get gobsmacked. And there's a lot of beautiful cinematography in here. The story is very simple, but at the same time, it deals with like stuff like pride and kind of swallowing your pride and kind of realizing that there's uh, more than just uh, bull riding, I suppose. But for this guy to live here and for this movie to exist, it is magnificent. It's yeah. beautifully shot. I think it's like 
when I saw it on President Obama's list, I was also just felt flabbergasted, like quite honestly. <laughs> I was like, why? Like I, I, I was like, did the president have time to watch this movie? Like, did he actually watch it? And you know, I, you, I, you know, he gets screeners. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm sure everyone, his everyone. Like the thing is, like I'm pretty sure everyone who made his list of movies, books. Um, and songs were just like, yeah, there's like, and there's the, the Brock, uh, uh, shout out kind of thing. That's going to boost me a little bit. But when I saw it on his list, I was like, wow, you know, I was actually genuinely, I wasn't sure if it was a fake list. That is my honest reaction to seeing the president's Instagram and being like, did he actually watch this movie? Cause it's a movie that not a lot of people have. I mean, it's gotten a lot of praise, but it is certainly just one of those things where it's like, it's so I'm small. Sure a man like Barack Obama has the resources to see what movies are doing very well this with reviews for, and can yeah. catch up on them. Oh, for sure, for sure, yeah. But uh, for the most part, um, <laughs> it's a movie that, again, I think that is improbable to make. And even though it's here and it exists, it's still to me just like, how did this movie make this? Like, this is an incredible movie about authentic characters as well. And I think that's my, my jam is just seeing movies that uh, really resonate with people that aren't really acting per se. And right. uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm really enthralled by this movie. I, I it, love this movie. It could have turned into one of those Clint Eastwood movies where he has the soldiers playing the soldiers, but that's exactly what I thought. Like the three thirteen, three seventeen right. to whatever. It's like, see, that's a movie where it just was handled incorrectly. And this one, right. I don't know how it works. Like, I honestly am not sure how she got this performance. She has that hand where she just, she's probably she's a very good documentarian and a very good filmmaker and she just blends them seamlessly it's just point yeah so uh, the writer is my number one movie of the year and i would encourage everyone to see it i'll, I'll watch it with you uh, <laughs> uh, come over to your house and watch it with you yeah maybe not that but uh, he's coming uh, over guys Aaron, what is your number one movie of 2018 uh, i will say that between this and blind spotting i mean it was i think i do i think i know it was almost a toss-up, I mean, because I'm a big fan of both of these movies. Uh-huh. And overall, I just think that this one that I've chosen is one that will kind of stick with me more. I can go back to it more, and I can use it more as a, you know, to make a case for things or what have you. It's Spike Lee's Black Klansman. Okay. Um, I think the story is so ripe for being told in a Spike Lee <laughs> vision that it just it's perfect. Uh, you have Jordan Peele producing, no less, too. It's just like this... Uh, this perfect amalgamation of all kinds of great forces coming together to make what is a, a great both defining movie of the times as well as just a great outlet for Spike Lee to do what he's very good at doing which is being provocative by handling hot button topics that are very much a part of our current state which sadly is still the same even after you know 30 years after do the right thing it's still the same kind of topic he's handling mm-hmm. people like to throw out the word controversy or controversial when they talk about spike lee and it's like i'm not sure why because he's not handling things that are like way out there and shouldn't be addressed they're things that are talked about all the time um and here he is making a movie that's set in the 70s that still very much is about today to an extent but with that said, he's made a great buddy cop movie. He's made a great comedy. He's made a great drama, all rolled into one. You've got great performances here from John David Washington and Adam Driver. And Topher, Topher Grace, Grace? David yeah. Topher Grace is great. <laughs> um, uh, I, I think the from a, a, a filmmaking standpoint, I think Lee and his his crew are at the top of their game here. Uh, you get you get some great wonderful segments. Uh, like early on, you have the whole speech by Kwame Ture, where you get this entire speech that he's giving at a as a Black Panther at a rally, and within that, you're getting all these great cross cuts of 
of just black people watching in the audience and seeing the kind of their faces and like having just a great bold expression of things. You, you have scenes of the KKK and how dumb and stupid they are and ridiculous. And the amount of subtlety that Lee puts on those scenes, it's not like he has to kind of crank it into overdrive to show what hate is. He just lets the camera roll on them and just be what they are, even though there's actors doing this, but it's like, it's not like he's going out of his way to like say, you know, make it more than it is. That's just how things are. Right. And Spike Lee's a filmmaker who doesn't he he can choose not to be subtle. He's done that a lot in his films. <laughs> this is a movie where he's, he actually dials it down for these kinds of scenes. Within all that, you get John David Washington, who's doing a great job of playing this guy who infiltrated the KKK. And it just everything about this worked for me. I think Terrence Blanchard's doing it has another great score on him. I think he's done terrific work with Spike Lee over the years, and this is just another one where the movie has its own theme to go with. There's a great seventies vibe throughout this thing, a lot of great cross cutting, a lot of style that works with the seventies kind of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to just being a really powerful movie where even when you get a satisfying climax to the main story being told, Spike doesn't stop it there. He undercut. He he get, he puts he punches you in the gut by connecting it right back to today. Right. Uh, so all of that, yeah. This this movie it it, it works for me very well. I've seen, I've watched it a lot of times at this point. I I will continue watching this just like I'll watch a number of these movies that are on my top right. ten list a lot. It just yeah. This was while not necessarily an easy pick as far as number two or one. This is certainly at the top of my year for me. Black Klansman, Spike Lee's Black Klansman. There you go. Movie. I certainly had some. I think the pacing in the third act was a little bit too fast for me, but when it ties back into to reality, because you know you're laughing along and you're like, yeah, they got them, and and then all of a sudden like it goes into the Virginia stuff, and you're just like, this is fucking crazy. Like this is still happening today. Like it's still an issue, yeah. and uh, it really sobers you. And then I had to go watch Crazy Rich Asians, and I didn't know how to feel. <laughs> <laughs> Same day, it's dual, a, dual screening. Double feature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. So we've gone through we our top it. ten list. We did it. Let's uh, let's do the thing where we talk about the movies that didn't make our list, but we're close. Do you guys have any runner-ups? Yeah, in no particular order, Black Klansman, Annihilation, Ready Player One, Sorry to Bother You, Black, Cl- or, uh, Black Panther, and Isle of Dogs. So uh, I'm, this is an exact uh, specific order, but starting at number 11 down to 20, Black Panther, Death of Stalin, A Star is Born, The Hate You Give, Incredibles 2, Paddington 2, Beast, First Man, Hereditary, and Golden Globe winner, Bohemian Rhapsody. Marcus, <laughs> what are your honorable mentions? Uh, I got, I actually got The Tale, uh, Mandy, Widows, Won't You Be My Neighbor, Green Book, Death of Stalin, American Animals, Roma, Kindergarten Teacher, Free Solo, Mary Poppins Returns, and that Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. Oh, yeah, all right. Yeah. Um, the hardest film to leave off my list was Mining the Gap, uh, another great documentary. Oh, right. That was, yeah. That's my number 11. Um, I was desperately trying. How do I squeeze this into a, a, a 10? <laughs> this is like an Apollo 13 situation. How do I get this this circle into this square? <laughs> like, what do I do here? Uh, but yeah, Mining the Gap, The Favorite, Roma, Sorry to Bother You, Vox Lux. Thoroughbreds, uh, Mission Impossible, Annihilation, First Reformed, Leave No Trace, You Were Never Really Here, Isle of Dogs, Eighth Grade, The Sisters Brothers, and Lean on Pete. Okay, cool. Yeah. Did we have uh, uh, other other uh, submissions from listeners or guests? Well, we got some more questions we can get to, which can also bring us to um, you know questions I can ask in general for everybody. 
but where uh, what were some of you guys' uh, favorite movie moments uh, or scenes from 2018? Do you want to just, uh, just individually just shout us out all of them? Yeah, just, just shout some out. Yeah, okay. yeah, cool. yeah. I like the fight scene between Baby Jack Jack and the raccoon in Incredibles 2. Okay. <laughs> 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 totally forgot about that, but that and makes then, me laugh. <laughs> there's a scene in Game Night. Uh, where there's a Fabergé egg being passed around, and it looks like a tracking shot. I know they faked it, but it's like a three-minute tracking shot where it's being passed from one person to another in this house. And I just, I, it's, it's like in a movie that I already put at my number ten. It's sort of one of my favorite scenes of that film. I got uh, the the Tony Collette "I Am Your Mother" scene at the dinner table. Um, the crying scene after the decapitation with Tony Collette. Um, that that oh, word the, the decapitation itself. That was the decapitation like... itself. But I think that crying scene was just—I was kind of shaking in my seat, and mm-hmm. she was just crying. But yeah. the, she just delivered it. Um, there's uh, that the N word rap in "Sorry to Bother You," a movie yeah. that I was kind of lukewarm on, but that was just powerful and you, you do know how to rap right yeah exactly See, that's, <laughs> our, it's our, so our great says, yeah that's army it's, hammer's line and then the way that he decides i'm going to rap for these white people right. and they're totally into it like right. and it's like not a good it's, rap it's but... a very relatable scene right yes. i'll just say that right right it's so, it's so brilliant and then that uh the, the, all the scenes with that the the kid from Halloween, where <laughs> all, all, the kids all, all, all of them. He, there's a scene where he where 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 he's like the Michael Myers is in my room. There's a guy standing oh, in my room, kid. and Dave oh, would go okay. that, that Dave guy goes, oh don't worry about. It. He goes, shut up, Dave. Make Dave go first. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> that's shut she, up, Dave. He said, shut up, Dave. That's gonna die, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so good. He's, yeah, that, that, yeah, the, that actor's name is Jabril Nantambu. I want to see him in more yes, scenes. <laughs> yes, I want to see. Yes. Because I remember the whole entire, like, don't go up there, Dave, you're going to die. But I totally forgot about the shut up, Dave. And she scares him coming out of the room, and he's like, oh, you got to uh, kid me. Yeah. Uh, just a, a, a quick list here. Uh, I love when uh, Mac Dre's film myself starts playing in blind spotting. The conversation between, uh, between Colin and Miles in blind spotting after they go to the party that that uh, Mark or Mark described. Um, Kayla at the end standing up for herself in eighth grade, even though she's looking down. I thought it was a really cool moment because it kind of plays with you uh, about who she's going to go after. Um, staircase scene, a rap battle scene uh, in Sorry to Bother You as well. Bathroom fight scene, Mahjong and uh, the song, the use of the song Yellow in uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Um, the storybook sequence of Paddington 2, uh, all of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, the kitchen scene in um, You Were Never Really Here, uh, the first car race scene in, in uh, Ready Player One, uh, and singing of When a Cowboy Trades uh, Spurs for Wings from Ballad of Wester Scruggs, and the entire moon sequence from First Man. Yeah, that lunar sequence is my top scene of the year. I'll just note that I have a whole list of my 25 favorite movie moments at Wheel of Entertainment. Oh, you tease. I won't go too far into my favorite scenes, but I'll highlight a couple. Get it. Uh, there's a scene in Strangers Pray at Night, the sequel to The Strangers, which is an okay movie, but there's a scene involving a pool that I think is like one of the best scenes in a slasher movie I've seen. Like It's so well-staged. 
um, for a variety of reasons involving music, filmmaking, and the amount of tension there. I think it's just wonderful. So it's like when I because re- that movie's so like yeah, it's fine, but like that sequence is like that's that's perfect horror movie filmmaking right there. Okay. Um, what else? I mean, I mentioned the garage confrontation and blind spotting. <laughs> Uh, that bathroom ball is one of my favorite scenes too from Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, the there's an ending in Annihilation involving Natalie Portman and a thing that she's interacting <laughs> with that I right. think is uh, fantastic. Uh, that scene in Widows where Colin Farrow gets into the limo and the car the camera just stays oh, on the yeah. hood of the limo. Uh, right. Yeah. The outside, extended, not not yeah. on the inside, but yeah. Exactly. It's a great extended shot yeah. that just puts a display of what Chicago is and how close things are to each other. Um, and where he lives as juxtaposed to where he's representing. Mm-hmm. Um, that dance sequence in The Favorite, which I'm surprised hasn't come up yet, <laughs> is um, pretty fantastic. Um, yeah, there, yeah, there's 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 a lot of great things. I mean, speaking of Ready Player One, actually, the scene involving The Shining is oh yes, that is pretty wonderfully staged. You I know, think that's it's pretty fantastic. So that crazy. and then. Another thing I liked about Ready Player One, there was in the early part of the film, there's a part where he's able to figure out the the trick to the first key, and he's driving underneath the 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 road, and he looks uh-huh. up, and you can see all the stuff happening. I thought that was a really beautiful, like really well imagined scene. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know people. Some people like wrote off Ready Player One as just like Lester Spielberg's. Like, you do this. <laughs> like, so yeah. Where are the other action directors making movies like Ready Player One? Because I'd like to see it. Because that yeah. movie has a lot of great stuff in it. For that sure. movie has a ton of great stuff. Again, that that first sequence before they get uh, to see it, the underlings of the bridge. I was like, I'm really gripping my seat here. This is some great stuff that I'm watching. And it's uh, sure it's all animated, but it's still really well conceived. I saw it be done. Yeah. <laughs> also. Well, uh, this okay. I've been saving this uh, favorite scene for Aaron because I know he's been waiting for me to write a review about Mandy, and I still haven't written one. However, it does have one of my favorite scenes, oh, and wow. that is when this horrific incident has already happened to Nicolas Cage. It's horrible, and he comes back home, and the TV is playing, and on the TV is a macaroni and cheese commercial, and the macaroni and cheese commercial <laughs> – is so silly and ridiculous, the and it's goblin like something, right? Goblin. It's, cheddar, yeah, goblin. Cheddar, cheddar goblin. Cheddar goblin <laughs> is such a non sequitur to what we have just seen, like mm-hmm. this horrible, horrible thing. And then now we've got this sort of like random silly event, <laughs> and the juxtaposition of those two things, and he's just staring at it like, how dare you mock me, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so one of my favorite things is that Elijah Wood is a producer on Mandy, right. and every time someone makes some kind of tribute, whether it's a video or art or something, he retweets it. And so it's just, <laughs> I see Cheddar Goblin like every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yes, your Mandy review is one of my most anticipated reviews. <laughs> <laughs> Because I know you liked uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow so much, too. Uh, so, like, I want to know what you yeah, thought about I mean, <laughs> Obviously, I, I so I liked Mandy fine. I, I think I liked the first half of Mandy, and then as it, I feel like as it devolves into this revenge tale, I'm not as on board with it. I, so I, that I, that's I where you. It, like I don't I, I I like it a lot. And I, Marcus, it's in your top uh, runner-ups. Like twenty. Yeah. I, I I but I I do agree with you where. 
going in, I was actually anticipating that the cage rage portion of the film, whatever that would have been, would have been the stuff I liked more. But yeah, I walked yeah. In, I walked out thinking, I really liked the first half where they set up that the relationship between half. him and Mandy and the, the villain character played by Thomas Wayne. <laughs> oh, Thomas <laughs> So maybe this I'll I'll re-listen to this podcast when I compile my review. But uh, the I like this sort of like they're this sort of living in this middle of like nowhere, and this is their their ocean of calm and kind of a horrible like you know, and then into this you know existence of Nicolas Cage and um, who's the woman that plays his wife? Andrea uh, Rice Riseborough. Yeah. yeah. So they're, you know, in love and into this like perfect love comes this extraneous force that's very, you know, evil. And and so the way that infects and and it has a good mood to the beyond the black rainbow also had a really kind of sinister mood that I kind of enjoyed. You did like that movie? I thought they were. I I did like. No, 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 no. I I, I, I thought it had it had a mood. It that like was really kind of we don't interesting. Need to keep okay, we're okay. taking so much time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, yeah. I'll edit that out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's get let me get some of the listeners' uh, favorite movie moments. Uh, Rachel writes, "I'll say one nobody else will." I loved Hollywood ending from Anna and the Apocalypse. Uh, Chris says, "I will say the whole of Anna and the Apocalypse." After watching The Grinch, this was perfect a perfect Christmas movie. Oh. <laughs> And I also have to add two other gems, how well-behaved the audience was for A Quiet Place, and the audience's reaction to a certain car scene in Hereditary. Mm, interesting. Uh, <laughs> Philip writes, the beach scene in Roma, and Todd writes, bring me Thanos. <laughs> okay. All right, um, let's see. Any uh, performances that you guys want to shout out? I mean, Tony Collette, we were already shouted out, and yeah. also... Um, Tony Collette, and Elsie Fisher in 8th grade. Elsie Fisher like. great, yeah. But, I mean, you guys Mahershala have mentioned... Uh, yeah, Marshall, uh, but you guys mentioned First Reformed, Ethan Hawke, and I haven't seen it yet, but it uh, seems like that guy's getting a lot of praise as well. I think, well, see, now, Mark, I know you weren't a big fan of First Reformed, but would you at least say that Ethan Hawke is very good in the movie? Yeah, I mean, so the, yeah, the problems <laughs> I had with that film weren't, like, the performances, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's fine. I, it's hard to, when you don't enjoy the film, it's it's hard to cite the performance, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I find myself citing like I don't like Bohemian Rhapsody. I think Robbie Malek's good in it. I don't think he's great. In it. I think he's good in it. Right, and I don't like the Iron Lady, but I thought Meryl Streep was, you know, d- did the part. Yeah, she's but... streeping it up. You know. All right. Uh, I'll shout out to uh, actually a couple. Yeah, I, I mean, I think David Diggs is very good in Blind Spotting. I, mm-hmm. I I wish he got more. A little more praise going on for him. I mean, we all love blind spotting on this podcast, so there you go. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just like a special shout out to Brian Tyree Henry, who's in like five movies this year and does a great job in every single one of them. He has a great sequence in if Beale Street Could Talk. Um, he has a he's a he's Miles's dad and yeah, exactly. He's uh, really good, like he, like that. He, he he's great on the show Atlanta as well. So it's just like this guy is breaking out all over the place. <laughs> so I just I want him to get more stuff to do because he's very good in things. For sure. Matt Dillon in House of Jack Bill. Yeah. Hey man, if I, I believe you, I believe you. Nobody's gonna watch it, but yeah, it's he's, I he's fantastic. I, I, he's I'm fantastic. so hot and cold. I'm so hot and cold of Von Trier. Right. Like, I, 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 no, I, I think is fantastic, but like I, I, you know, 
it comes and goes <laughs> so i've never watched antichrist because i know i'm not gonna like it i have read uh-huh. enough about it to know that i it's not my film and i probably will never watch this house that jack built either i i've read enough about it that i know it's it's not it's not me it's that's not my film yeah right although yeah. I, I liked melancholia so like i mean that was a film that he directed mm-hmm. but i i can tell that he th- these are not that kind of a film and yeah, that's the that seemed more my speed too. We're like, I don't right. know about this. How's the jack? <laughs> or, or breaking the waves. I mean, those those are like uh-huh. I can. Yeah. Oh, but... you know what? I'm going to shout out John C. Riley too, who also had a great year. Uh, Holmes or... and Watson notwithstanding. Sisters but I, brothers. I, 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 the sit for the sisters brothers especially. I mean, I think Stan and Ollie, he's very good as well. Oh, okay. But yeah, but I think the sisters brothers is the of 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 the many performances he gave this year. I think that he's great as Ralph too. Like it's a good character he plays. But um, yeah, Sisters Brothers. I think he's excellent in in a in a in a strong cast all around. But that was a film I really liked, and I really like him in it. So yeah. cool. You know, I, I'm going to shout out Nicole Kidman. I mean, I know like I'm not crazy about Boy Erased, uh, but I did like Aquaman quite a bit, and I think she she was good in the opening segments where it kind of establishes like who Aquaman is. And then she's also in destroyer destroyer was interesting. I, I started to watch the film and about halfway through, or maybe, maybe a 30 minutes through, I was like not enjoying it. But as the, the film plays out and by the end, I, I did like it. I don't think, to be honest, I don't think I, despite the fact that I'm, calling out Nicole Kidman. I think she's miscast in that film. I actually think Jennifer Lopez or Angelina Jolie would be a better uh, casting choice for that movie. And I don't know if... if have you guys seen Destroyer? I've I seen Destroyer. I think no. she's very good at it. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't say... I wouldn't say that... I could see I think other people playing that, that role. I, I don't. I don't. Dis, I don't disagree. I, I wouldn't say it's a, it's essential that she plays the role, but I. But you know, Jennifer, think... Jennifer Lopez used to do movies like Out of Sight, and if she instead of these like romantic comedies, I think Jennifer Lopez used to. She's the, the Out of Sight's like the outlier of the kinds of movies that she does. But if Jennifer Lopez was cast in Destroyer, I think, you know, it it would have been like a a career redefining role for her because I think she Mm. I think she's up to the part. And uh, and then it's also the kind of part that Angelina Jolie does kind of in her sleep. She does this. It's sort of like salt or something. But uh, I think Nicole Kidman is sort of miscast in it. But I mean, I still I still kind of appreciated what Destroyer is trying to do. And I think it does get better as it goes along. So if you stick with it, um, then you know you'll be rewarded uh but but yeah uh, aquaman and boy race i mean she was in three kind of major films they were all talked about quite a bit this year yeah. hey Abe, know who's in destroyer that's really good um cory 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 uh stole well, you just let me answer it. why you got to fight <laughs> just let me answer the question uh friend of the show toby kebble toby kebble all right <laughs> uh let me see what some of the listeners said here favorite performances uh rachel has charlie Plummer and lean on pete uh, Karina has Emma Stone, Rachel Weisz, and Olivia Coleman in The Favorite. Chris writes Tony Collette was amazing in Hereditary. Philip has Yulitza Aparicio in Roma and Ryan Gosling in First Man. And Ben... No, Phil, and he also has Ben Foster in, in uh, Galveston. Galveston? Okay. Aaron, Galveston. Yeah. sorry to, to go back what you were talking about before, but uh, isn't Scoot McNeary also a friend of the show? Yeah. Yes. He's also in Destroyer. He is, yeah. Whoa, whoa. Is Kyle Chandler in here? Because then I have to go see it. <laughs> Sebastian stands in there, so you know, close. Yeah, is he a friend of the show yet? <laughs> he's getting there. He's doing. Yeah. He's doing these wacky character parts when he's not playing Bucky. Yeah, exactly. I Tanya style. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. National. <laughs> uh, all right. 
Uh, let's see. Let's okay. Let's do this. Let's get to so. What do you guys is uh, some surprises, disappointments, or worsts of the year? Surprises are almost everything that I listed on on my top ten. Uh, I, as I said, <laughs> I, as I said, like I was like you know dumbfounded by all of these. Like not dumbfounded, but like just shocked at how good these were. Worsts? Come on. Yeah. I mean, Rampage was a terrible movie, Aaron. <laughs> And uh, disappointments, hereditary. I think there was a lot of stuff leading up oh. to it. And I just was like, what's everyone's big deal here? Why is everyone... You know going- what? I'm going to go over to your house. I'll watch it with you. If you crawl on the walls like Tony Collette does, yeah, maybe they- let's do that then. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it should have gotten more bonkers is what my... Is what my, my How is that possible? Anyway. <laughs> okay, so... For my surprises, uh, Mission Impossible, I knew it would be good, but I didn't realize it was going to end up in my top ten of the year. Um, for worse, The Meg is the worst film I saw. Jurassic World was also – Fallen Kingdom was terrible. Uh, this was a Netflix movie, but the Cloverfield Paradox was awful wow. in the beginning of the year. And then also Blockers. Uh, that movie is absolute trash. The, I have two words for you. Anal bong. And I have another two words, projectile <laughs> vomiting. Is there another you one? Put those two things, and then, so th- that was the worst. And then they tried to tack on this, like, sweet, like, you know, uh, syrupy, saccharine ending. I mean, just garbage. Like, uh, Blockers was just awful. I, mean, I have two words for you. Uh, 83% is... Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, if you like There's anal bongs and words. projectile vomiting, tune in. I mean, it's just awful. I, I, need I a almost clip walked of Mark out. Saying anal bong, like as my ringtone. As <laughs> your ringtone. <laughs> I think I laughed once, and there was a funny scene in the beginning of the film about emojis, and they're they're spying oh. on her computer, okay. and mm-hmm. and like, what do the emojis mean? One mild chuckle in a in a just a two hours of dreck. Makes sense. <laughs> but then, when you was we prizes were, are we doing disappointments also? Yeah, yeah. Disappointments. Yeah. So disappointment. I I really love Wes Anderson. Like adore him. His movies usually end up in my top ten of the year. And Isle of Dogs was fine, but just not. It, it to me it felt like a director going through the motions. I don't think he shouldn't. He was not the director to direct a movie about Japan, and I don't think he captured that that the the spirit of that. And I think he just didn't. I, I just didn't warm up to that film so that was you make a, a movie like that that's so that's so involved and think and think that it's going through the motions like that's such an involved film so he he got the, the he got the hair and the and the look and the the style i mean if, if i watched it with the sound off it's gorgeous but what what they're saying and what they're doing and the jokes and everything i just it i mean it, it was it was sad because i think it's i think wes anderson is brilliant and most of his films are like in any given year are in my top 10 and this was not the worst film but it, it, it definitely I, I mean, as far as ranking his films i would say it's it's at the bottom it's probably the worst wes anderson film you know i mean and worse wes anderson is still pretty decent but but not good okay Oh, and, and a wrinkle in time. A wrinkle in time was also. Oh, that's, a disappointment. that's a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah, classic children's novel. Uh, read it when I was a child, and I saw it, and it was just. Eh, it was I, forget, just that, I forgot that that even came out last year. 
It's hard for me to say that it's a disappointment because I just the tra- every trailer sold me it's like well I want to like this but it doesn't look good and then mm. well, yeah it didn't look good it wasn't good that's kind, of, <laughs> kind of my reaction I, I grew up with the novel so I had my own image of like what that story is about and it just you know I mean anytime you're trying to d- depict a you know a, a novel you you have your own ideas but it, it really fell short I think I like the respect. scene where Chris Pine was recreating that Drake music video like that was fun right <laughs> Yeah, did you did you have uh, your list, Aaron? Um, surprises, uh, Mary Poppins Returns, and Peter Rabbit. I <laughs> was both very surprised by Peter how much Rabbit. I enjoyed both of this. Peter Rabbit's hilarious. Okay, I mean, it's, it's that, really that funny. That looks awful. It's really, I mean, again, this is a surprise. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Like, no, I, yeah. I expected, like, Alvin and the Chipmunks kind of thing. It was like, no, this is actually very funny. Like, it's not not quite Paddington 2, because nothing is. But, <laughs> I mean, it's still, it's still very enjoyable. And then Mary Poppins, where it's like, I expected to see like something that was like fine, but like this was re- I was really affected by Mary Poppins' returns. I thought it, I thought it did a great job of kind of bringing that spirit and whimsy around. Um, so I was I was into that quite a bit. Um, disappointments and words. So I didn't go all out with this this year just because I'm kind of tired of doing these lists because they're just annoying at this point. Uh, but I always disappointed by Fantastic Beasts because when do you see bad Harry Potter movies? Like that's oh, yeah. that's new. Like it's like it's not even it's not even like yeah it's okay it's a bad movie like it's, it's not good point. yeah yeah and um I mean I think I've talked about this plenty Equalizer two is easily the worst movie I saw <laughs> like, <there's laughs> no question I there's, I was waiting for that yeah. it's it's a terrible terrible movie it, it's it's if not the worst it's one of Denzel's worst movies uh, if you want to talk about going through the motions and phoning it in um this is the this is the answer to that question right there it's Equalizer two it's terrible. So, it's an awful movie. So, <laughs> so uh, it sucks, guys. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> surprise! I'll I'll, I'll uh, go with Green Book, and I'll agree with Aaron with uh, Mary Poppins. Um, disappointment. The favorite. It was just not a bad movie, but it was just disappointing. Uh, and the worst movie for me was Unsane. I I didn't get it. I I couldn't hardly understand what they were saying. Huh. I, 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 Did you listen I, with the volume? I don't know. It was some. <laughs> uh, maybe they were holding the iPhone too far away. I, I really don't know what was going on. It, for me, it was like going to like one of my favorite restaurants, and they have a new experimental special, and they bring it out, and it's a piece of crap. Like it, it and I'm like, how, how, how long am I supposed to? Oh, I, how, how much credit am I supposed to give the place? F- because it's my favorite place. It's, it's still crap. Like, I, it's inedible. This movie is like the equivalent of just an inedible for me. Hmm. Okay. I know I'm in the minority. Or... I don't know. I haven't seen it. But oh, uh... yeah. Do you, don't watch it. it... <laughs> I liked it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know a lot I, of people I, did. I know a lot of people. I, I don't think it was the greatest film of the year, but yeah, I thought it was a nifty little thriller. I was I was captivated I was by it. I was bored many times. There's a okay. scene where they're both yeah. in uh, in like that room together, and I just was like, what is going on this the camera hasn't moved in about 15, 20 minutes, and they're having a conversation. He's, and he's, he's I don't trying care. Some, he's trying Ma- Marcus, some new stuff. Marcus, Clarifoy's name is Sawyer Valentini. That's ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> well, Suspiria could have made that too. So I, this was Suspiria yeah. was better than this movie. Well, okay. Should we move on to the next uh, question? 
No, we're going to stick with this. Unsane is great, Mark. <laughs> Unsane is great. Uh, it's not. Yeah, it really is. All right. It really is. Uh, some of our listeners. Hey, if you want to read the listener stuff here. <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely. So in terms of like the listener top 10, or uh, Yep. Uh, so listeners, surprising disappointments. Tyler has uh, worth it, worst is Truth or Dare. Uh, disappointments, probably Habitat Murders. And the biggest surprise is House of the Clock and Its Walls. Philip has The Death of Filmstruck was uh, probably the biggest surprise, uh, which thankfully had a happy ending, which means that Filmstruck was, I think they're going to be reintroduced through some other streaming service. Well, Criterion. Criterion. There you go. Uh, Mike has the worst was The Predator. I missed it in theaters. Bought the Blu-ray. It was a friggin' mess. Why would you buy the Blu-ray if you missed it in theaters, Mike? (laughs) Just watch it on streaming then. Just rent it. $3. Uh, For the show, Michael has biggest disappointment, Fantastic Beasts Part 2. Uh, Todd, ha- Todd uh, has worst of the year. It's fifteen seventeen to Paris. Have time murders and life of the party. Game over, man. Uh, Chris has was that, looking. That, that is a movie. Game over. Game man. over, man. <laughs> yeah. was what was that one about? It's the so, guys from Workaholics, I believe. Oh, okay. So all the people who think the Happy Time Murders was the worst film of the year, please go watch. Can you ever forgive me? And it will reinstore your faith in Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Well, Todd has two Melissa McCarthy movies on his list, so he needs to watch it twice. Uh, Chris has was looking forward to Winchester and Peppermint. Very disappointed. Uh, yep. Just didn't look I could have given you a heads up on those. Chris, Chris, let us know. We watch a lot of movies. Uh, biggest surprise was Buster Scruggs. So glad glad that you had a surprise there that, that was able to see in your, in your living room there, Chris. Hmm. All right. And um, the last question I have for you, everybody, is uh, what movies are you looking forward to in 2019? I mean, it's got to be just the yeah. Captain Marvel and also uh, Avengers just to figure out how they're going to round things out. I got I Avengers, got, Star Wars Episode Nine. I got one line. I got five on it. That come on. <laughs> that's that's, it, look at it, look at it, look at it. That, it's about it's, drugs. See, auto-tune <laughs> that, please. But <laughs> that's that, us is... That's my number one. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's coming out soon. That's in March, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> if, if you ask me what I'm looking forward to, you might as well just ask me, when is Godzilla coming out? And I'll oh, tell you, because that's the movie I'm looking forward to. Right, Godzilla I, I King of the Monsters was fantastic. Oh, my God. King of the Monsters. You've got Rodan and Mothra and King Ghidorah. <laughs> this movie looks insane. I can't wait for it. I like and, it. You know, yeah. Toy Story 4. Tarantino's got a movie, so like I'm yes. right there also. Like you know, between Once those upon two, a time in Hollywood, yeah. Yeah, between, yeah. between those two, I'm set. But, you could, t- I mean, Avengers, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I just see a lot you of know like, what's gonna happen. I see a lot of Avengers versus Star Wars kind of thing, which is weird because they're both Disney, so it's like, do you, does it matter to you? Like, yeah. You can just see both. My only thought there though is, Avengers, they're, they're all just gonna come back. I don't know what's gonna happen in Star Wars, <laughs> so I'm more excited about Star Wars. <laughs> I got that could be that could that anything could happen to them. You got, I mean, you've got a long ways to go there. But how do they I come understand back? There will be some kind of happy ending, I assume, for Star Wars. But at the same time, what do you mean? I don't care. How do they come back? They got stones. They'll do stuff. Whatever. They'll, they got the quantum realm. <laughs> wow. Whatever. They're they're coming back. <laughs> how did how I'm did ex- Man get out of the 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 super small tiny universe? He's out in the trailer, so I don't care. He makes it back already. <laughs> I, I am don't know. I am kind of more interested in that Spider Man Far From Home more than Endgame. So that kind of says a lot. Okay. Yeah, be Spider Manning. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, and then just too. just for your listeners, I want to just mention. I mean. There's Dumbo, there's Aladdin, there's Lion King. You know, we we, we haven't forgotten it's about those. Yeah. Tons of tons of other stuff. I mean, like 2019. I, I have, like, a, I have a couple of little independent pictures too. That I, I Jojo Rabbit, which directed by Taika yeah. Waititi. 
I'm mm-hmm. looking forward to that. The Irishman, which is coming out on Netflix with directed by Martin Scorsese, starring Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, and Harvey Keitel. What? I mean, $140 million. If, I mean, it's not an indie movie by any means whatsoever. Yeah, well, no, that's not indie, but, like, it's... Uh, <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to include that as indie, but that's, like, Netflix, so it's a little bit, like, not quite as you know, high-profile as, like, these Disney releases. Also, Knives Out, which is directed by Ryan Johnson, with Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Lakeith Stanfield. That looks... It sounds interesting. Ooh, yeah, that sounds it's, interesting. It's Ryan Johnson's four for four with me, so yeah, like, same I can't here. wait to see another Ryan Johnson yeah. film. <laughs> and then the Safdie brothers are coming out with a movie called Uncut Gems, and it has yeah. kind of an interesting cast. With Adam yeah. yeah, Adam Sandler, right? Adam Sandler, but it yeah. but it's the whole cast is uh interesting. I mean it's Lakeith Lakeith Stanfield is in that as well. Edina Menzel, Judd Hirsch, Eric Bogosian, The Weekend. Yeah. I, uh, My curiosity. Acting, he, um, I, I, he's in Uncut Gems. Yeah. I know. I know it's been pushed a bunch for a variety of reasons, whether it be effects or just because there were 19 movies coming out on Christmas. But I still really look forward to Alita: Battle Angel. I I, I want to see James, oh, James Cameron and Robert Rodriguez. I want to see what that collaboration works out as. I want to. I want that to be an ambitious sci-fi film that works for a change. Uh, compared to some of the other ones where I, I look forward to, and then they kind of deliver mixed results, like uh, Jupiter Ascending, for example. Like I, I want to see what this Alita movie is going to be. I mean, Aaron, they were rollerblading with Raga boots. <laughs> that stuff was nice. There's other problems I had with Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's uh, let's see. What do they? What did everybody else say? Uh, Chris writes Glass, uh, John Wick three, of course. Yes. Uh, yeah. Godzilla three from Hell. Pet Cemetery, Toy Story 4, and Masters of the Universe. Oh, yeah, there's a Masters of the Universe movie coming out at the end of the year, apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elena has Stan and Ollie. Adam has Star Wars. Not Adam Gentry, but a different Adam. Has Star Because I have to say that now because Adam didn't like The Last Jedi. Uh, Star Wars, Glass, Toy Story 4, John Wick 3, and Joker. Uh, Mike has Glass. Philip has Alita, colon, Battle Angel. Thank you, Philip. Uh, Todd has Star Wars, Avengers, and Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Michael Lee, front of the show, has Jojo Rabbit. Nice. So, yeah, a lot of stuff we mentioned here. Yeah. And yeah, Glass is coming out pretty soon, of course. Coming pretty soon, like in I, a couple weeks. I'd like to think we're all at least fans of Unbreakable. Yes. Kimmy Schmidt? Unbreakable, yes. Yeah. Split, no. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm not a big Split fan either, so, like, you know... Oh, really? I, I, I thought that I, was just... I thought I was the only one. No, I, I guess know. I... I didn't like. I didn't like Split. Yeah. I wasn't a fan. <laughs> but, um, it caught on, that's yeah. for sure. But in terms of, oh, he's he's made a stealth trilogy. I'm into that. I want to see what that looks like. <laughs> I think that was just by happenstance. I think he was just like, oh, I guess I'll just like enter this into a trilogy now. I don't think. Do you think it was actually planned? Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm it telling you this. Planned. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you think it was it just an accident? Was. I mean, like it's it's so it's so many years in between, and I was like, maybe he just decided to make this movie. I mean, but you're you're going off of speculation. I'm going off of things he said in interviews. <laughs> I mean, I I said that I was the king of Prussia once, but you know, I don't know where I'm going with this. In any case, let's keep get going, keep going. Yeah, exactly. Let's get some questions that the uh, uh, <laughs> folks asked us. Friend of the show, Michael asks, what's one of the 2018 films? That you disagreed on the most, and did either of you change your mind after a second viewing of the of that 2018 film? I would say one of the ones that we disagreed with the most was uh, definitely Rampage, where I was coming in hot, and I thought it was garbage. Uh, and then uh, Terrence and, and I was Aaron, right. 
<laughs> yeah, Terrence and Aaron were like, this movie was amazing. Like, I don't know what you guys we thought. Said it, we said it was fun. Like, I didn't say it was amazing. <laughs> I think it's a fun movie. This like, is some, it does its some job. hot garbage, Aaron. Give, given what's laid out in front of me, The Rock has to team up with a giant gorilla to fight other giant monsters. I think there's a good version of that movie I saw from that, as opposed yeah, yeah. to a bad version of that movie. Maybe I have a question. I have a question that's sort of related to to his question. What yep. is the most critically acclaimed film that you did not like? Roma. I know what mine is. Roma. You did not like Roma. Wow. I, I didn't, I didn't like, like it as much as you guys did, but it's it's that's probably the first thing that comes to mind. But I mean, I mean I it, say if somebody Rhapsody said because Bohemian Rhapsody is not that critical. No, that's, a, that's so. not critically acclaimed. I'm talking about a movie that shows up on critics' lists uh, as like a great film. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. So Abe, if somebody said, "Should I see Roma?" Your answer would be no. I mean, it would have to be a movie I would that you did say not that like. I would say that uh, you know you can watch it. Do, uh, yeah, just watch it whenever you have some wow. free time. He also didn't like Hereditary. I mean, I mean, her right, right. So her, that's actually a good. No, that's a, that's actually probably a better choice because Hereditary does show up on a lot of top ten lists. For, for me, it, it, it for me it's First Reformed. I just did not warm up to that film. In the way that, and I know it's it's very critically acclaimed. So yeah, you guys weren't big on Burning either, which is also pretty high up there on the list. Burning, yeah, Burning, I like. Well, I Burning, I would still give a love. positive review. Yeah, I would still give a positive review to Burning though. Yeah. Or did I? I don't know. You gave like <laughs> but, a three, I believe. Okay, but yeah, first reformed. It wasn't. I'm trying to think of any that I like. Just oh, did not like. Just put yourself out there. I know you don't like to like. I'd, I'd be happy to say it if I can think of one. I'm trying to think of one that like is very well liked that I just didn't dig. Because the closest I can think of is Bohemian Rhapsody, just given the amount of praise it does have. So, so that, that's Agreed. not a. That's not a. I want a. I want a film that's like critically acclaimed. It won the Golden I'm, Globe. I can't, I can't help if I don't have an answer. I'm looking. I I'm trying to see what are some of these big movies that came out that are like super loved. Um. Yeah. Did you guys see support the girls? I did not, but that also made President Obama's list, so that makes me uh, automatically <laughs> that makes me automatically think that I should go see it right away. <laughs> uh, did you watch it? Do is it? Is I love it, Regina okay. Hall. Is it a documentary? No. No. Okay. No. 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 It's did a Star Hall. It's a, no. I wasn't sure. <laughs> Maybe she narrates it. <laughs> did you see? Uh, did you see it, Aaron? No. Not yet. Um, yeah. Well, while you're thinking, Aaron, you want to go into the last question? I'm trying to. I mean, I guess I don't know. Bad times at El Royale. Like, there's a number of fans for that. Or no, you know what it is? It's quiet. It's a quiet place. That's the answer. Oh, that's a good answer. It's I mean, a quiet that's place. not a good yeah. movie. It wasn't. Abe, it wasn't. You're, Abe, you're well aware that people love a quiet place. Yes, yes I, I know. I, I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> the answer is Bird Box. Is that's. I, I don't think a quiet place is a bad movie, but I certainly didn't like it to the same degree that a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah. I was I mean, like, come on. This I'm with has... you, Marcus. I, yeah. I think Bird Box. It's fine. I think Bird Box is. What's fine? Bird Box. Bird, Bird, it's it's not a it's not everything that everybody's saying. I mean, if, if it was a if it was a to go, I everybody. I don't see Bird Box as this acclaimed movie. It's, it's really just popular. It's a, <laughs> that's not it's an in, Instagram darling. Right. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, because they're making fun of it. So I don't see what your point is. <laughs> I I think they're making fun of it with kind of like a a love in a loving manner. Like I, I make think fun the, of the, the middle child. The reaction to that is split. I think there are people that do love the film, and I think there's also a, a collection of people that don't love it. Yeah, yeah like Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> that's a better pick. 
<laughs> it won the Golden Globe. <laughs> yeah, Bird Box isn't winning the Golden Globe. <laughs> That's true. Uh, what I, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. In any case, Aaron, well, what's the last question there? Get some nominations. Philip, uh, Philip asked a question. He asked, what is your favorite film that you saw last year for the first time that was not a 2018 release? I have an answer for this. What do you guys have? Mm. Okay, I'll go with mine first while you think of it. Because um, I actually had to answer this question for a poll on IndieWire. Um, the, uh, it's The Phantom Carriage. Uh, that sounds a, spooky. It's an old silent film. That's on. It's there's a Criterion Blu-ray of it. That's wonderful. But uh, it's a fantastic Swedish film uh, from yeah the silent film era. Um, it has a, a depiction of the. It's a, it's about basically the Grim Reaper coming into town on a carriage and collecting souls at uh, around New Year's, um, and he confronts a man who has wasted his life essentially and makes him kind of look back on what he's done. And it was very innovative for his time, and you can really see that in the film. Mm-hmm. There's even a there has a lot of influence on a lot of filmmakers. Bergman was a huge fan of this movie and used a lot of it from used it, its influence on his films. And uh, Kubrick did too, uh, as it has a scene from The Shining that is directly lifted from this movie. Where I was like, "Oh, that's not an original scene. He took it completely word for word from this movie." And I was very surprised by that. But yeah, The Phantom Carriage—that's a terrific movie. Okay, that was, that was my favorite movie that I had not seen before until this past year. Wow. Anybody else? Anybody see anything new for the first time last year? I saw year? Uh, Krisha on Thanksgiving, so. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I liked it a lot. <laughs> I liked it a lot. <laughs> and it didn't come out I this know year, I so saw I think that. it's that cr- criteria. Yeah, I saw it, and I can't remember it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's I... That sounds like Aaron's reaction, too. <laughs> um. I have seen something like I've seen some stuff on Prime that I just can't recall, but uh, I guess it really didn't make that great of an impression if I if I can't remember it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm gonna pass. I'll I'll, I'll uh, answer your question next year, Philip. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll do the same. All right. Uh, well, yeah, that's uh, all the questions I think we had over there. So yeah, thanks for the feedback, everybody. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Yeah, and I think it's probably a good time to wrap it up here. Let's <laughs> We've been do it. Long enough. Um, I will say next week. I'm not sure what we're gonna do yet. Um, we'll we'll kind of see, I guess, right? Yeah, it's uh, best think... of 2018 part two. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I believe if Beale Street Talk is now in wider release, so maybe Abe, if you get a chance to see, it, we can do a more, maybe a more full review on that okay. film. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll figure something out for next week's show. Um, but yeah, uh, I. <laughs> I guess we'll do the thing that we always do to wrap things up. What should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next? Marcus, what should people get and see in theaters right now? Uh, in the in the movie theaters. Uh, if you can, Free Solo. I, I You talked about it getting an IMAX release. Mm-hmm. You got to see it in IMAX. I mean, I don't know how well it's going to translate on a, onto television. That's the only reason I say it. Um, and uh, if, if Beale Street can talk is what I'm going to see next. Mark? I mean, there's a lot of good movies at the theater. I I liked Aquaman, I liked Mary Poppins Returns, and I liked Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So, any of those. I mean, maybe Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I I would love to see that film win Best Animated Film at the Oscars, and I think it actually has a pretty good chance of of, of actually taking the award. Um, 
So maybe that would be the at the top. But if you like enjoyable, you know, uh, comic book films, I mean, Spider Man is is enjoyable comic book. If you like sort of over the top, kind of silly comic book, then Aquaman. Spider Man into the Spider. And if you like talking about, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I get I, I you're, yeah, like you're, you're trying to recommend Aquaman. I get it. Yeah. I understand. Oh, I, I want to like. Yeah, and then <laughs> what's next? Gosh, I don't even know. Uh, what? Let's see. What is coming out? Uh, I don't even. I'm not even sure what's like that's what's coming split, up next. Split part I'm, three. No, I don't. Well, I, I I didn't like Split. So, but I'm really excited about Us. But that's like in March. So. Probably. Oh, their Lego movie. That's that's in February. There you go. The Lego movie part two. The second part. Yeah, the house house that Jack built. Part two? No. Uh, I am uh, (laughs) recommending Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. And obviously, uh, uh, like what everyone said, there's a whole bunch of stuff out. Um, But the next, uh, yeah, hopefully I can help uh, rep if Bill Street could talk or uh, shoplifters in theaters and give them some money. Yeah, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, pretty obvious right there as far as big movies go. If Beale Street could talk, I heartily recommend because, hey, it's in my top ten list. And Cold War is in limited release. If you can find that, it's even higher in my top ten Boom. list. There you go. Uh, and next, I am seeing Glass on Tuesday, so I'm kind of excited about that. Very cool. Um, cool. So, yeah. All right. Well, with all that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Out Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work, my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. Everything that I do ends up over there, including my reviews that are over at Lilo Entertainment. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Abe? I'm friends up over my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash Wallersmoose. Hashtag Top 10 2018. Marcus Robinson, where can people find more of your work? Uh, well, now that I have a new computer, I'm going to be posting on Movies Marcus. And if you're a quick reader, you can find me on Instagram and uh, friend me on Facebook. I'll friend you. <laughs> Mark Hoban, where can people find more of your work? Uh, you can find my pers- uh, my reviews on my personal blog, fastfilmreviews.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. You can find all of our other episodes on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, or Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podomatic, or HHWLOD. Email us at uh, podcast at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash podcast. Twitter.com slash underscore podcast. Tweet us it and also uh, write, us, write at us with your Facebook comments. And be sure to bring Tumblr back into the mainstream by sending a plenty of scary clown gifts. Podcast.tumblr.com. We need a build-up to It Chapter 2. It's coming, so get the scary clown gifts going. Nah, man, we're cool. Um, i want to thank uh all of the all the listeners for sticking around for our three hour top 10 show but i also want to thank all of our frequent guests that we have on the show uh for sending in all their top 10 lists to also to make this an even bigger experience um always great to hear from everybody look forward to getting all the guests back on for this year's round of movies um of course marcus mark thank you both. super shout out to mark and marcus thank you for having me good to be on And yeah, that's going to do it. So until next time, so long. And Happy New Year.
fight the world, I fight too, I fight myself I fight God, just tell me how many burdens left I fight pain and hurricanes, today I wept I'm trying to fight back tears, flood on my doorsteps Life in living hell, puddles of blood in the street Shooters on top of the building, government aid ain't relief Earthquake, the body drop, the ground breaks The poor run with smoke lungs and scarred face Who need a hero? Hero You need a hero, look in the mirror, there go your hero Who on the front lines at ground zero? Hero My heart don't skip a beat even when hard times bumps the needle Mass destruction and mass corruption, the souls are suffering men Clutching on deaf ears again, rapture is coming It's all prophecy and if I gotta be sacrificed for the greater good Then that's what it gotta be I've predicted what I think your top ten is going to be. I'll be. Very... I think you already. I think you know it. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty certain on a lot of these, but I, I have it right here in front. of I'm trying to think. Should I? Should you want me to copy and paste it to you right now, or you want me to wait? <laughs> no, you should wait. I'll wait, yeah. and then I'll send it to you. I, I, <laughs> I'd like to see. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to see if you're on. Because I have Manchester a... by the Sea is number one. <laughs> <laughs> that should have a... won Best Picture. Damn it! Should have. I agree. Actually, actually, I've seen. I've seen Moonlight like five times since. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's like it definitely is one of the best movies i actually think the place. same way i i look at because i love patterson but i'm like i really like moonlight like <laughs> it's, it's, really good. it's such a complex movie it that... was my number two so it's not like i was way far off in it either but, yeah. but i know i have a I, blank top 10 then i have your the one my predicted top 10 for you so, so i can write it down i'll have a, uh i know it's already over the year so i don't know if i can change it anymore but i'm still gonna change it if i can <laughs> After I see a few other movies. Okay, so you can add the All asterisk right. as we get going. Yeah. So, All right, let's do this. Okay.